0: This program deals with devil worship and satanic beliefs. It contains explicit scenes and descriptions of violent crimes and rituals. Americans are asking,
1: who attacked our country? <laughs> you have declared a subliminal jihad against the United States. Can you tell us why? Everything pertaining to what's happening has never come to the surface. The world will never know the true facts of what occurred, my motives. And night fell in a different world. And the police is thinking, you know... I should be getting this position, not Adam, and this guy is created from dirt. And how did the army feel about you being head of the Temple of Seth?
2: And the conspiracy theorists can say what they will, but. I want you
1: to give me power over Adam. And I want you to give me soldiers and minions and all of these things. The people have, have so much to be.
3: Building a building. You don't remember the name of the person who involved you in murder? These people are in very high positions.
2: Yeah. Yes. Welcome back to Subliminal Jihad, episode twenty. I am your co-host, Dimitri.
4: No, I'm Colin.
2: And today, um. In- in keeping with the season, I suppose. Um, yes. Spooky were
4: season, end. spooky topic. Spooky, spooky.
2: spooky music, spooky sigils, yes. spooky city, spooky country, yeah, really.
4: It's kind of always a spooky season on Suba Jihad. I feel like there will be some equally spooky topics like in March or whatever. But, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, this is a nice... We're going to have a couple of, of good ooky spooky episodes for uh the season uh
2: yes yes Uh, and this is one of them this is definitely one of them and i guess like we're we're gonna take as our you know uh i don't know our vessel into the world of the spooky much like the kenneth anger episode we're gonna we're gonna dive into the arts again but this time we're gonna dive into this actually is this our first music episode
4: I believe so. I believe it's our first music episode. Yeah,
2: our first spooky musicology episode of which there are going to be. I guess we've talked tangentially already about a lot of different genres of music that have sus uh, dimensions to them. You know, Mm -hmm. things like 60s psychedelic rock and Mm -hmm. punk rock and heavy metal music.
4: Yeah, and... this is, yeah, this is kind of similar almost to sort of the, uh, like, Satanic Panic era of, uh, like, uh, rock music or, like, metal music of, like, Hail Satan type stuff. But, uh, yeah, on the, on the hip-hop side. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, and we're going to take a we're going to take a dive right into the heart of I guess uh, uh satanically inspired 90s hip hop, which is in of course the city of Memphis. Yes. And the heart the the hearth of I mean honestly a lot of blues music, of rock and roll, and of course of 90s Memphis horrorcore also somewhat known as trap, um which is today Probably one of the, if not the most dominant sounds in mainstream and kind of fringy hip hop.
4: Yeah, it's interesting. Like, trap isn't really horrorcore because true. the themes of horrorcore, like, aren't present, you know? Uh, true, true. Like, I guess
2: it's more in the, the beat
5: the style. The sound.
4: Yeah, exactly. It's That's yeah. an interesting dimension. Like, yeah, trap is now, like, the ascendant sort of form of, like, hip-hop, like, aesthetics, like, you know, sonically. Sonic aesthetic. Yeah. But, like, thematically, yeah. like, the, you know, the aspects of Memphis horrorcore that really uh, make it distinct. And like other horrorcore genres, like uh, even Detroit horrorcore, I guess, uh, you know, aren't really present in trap, but it creates an interesting kind of legacy. Um, that's yeah. It, it, yeah. Yeah. Well, part of considered. a lot of that did
2: get tangled because the most popular group to come out of the 90s Memphis horrorcore scene was 3 Six Mafia or Triple yeah. Six Mafia, as they were known. And they eventually, they kind of dropped. A certain degree of horrorcore themes from their music throughout the '90s as they started to go bigger, and they kind of, you know, reformulated. And I mean, some people would say refined, but I really think they just kind of made a more radio-friendly version of uh, the type of stuff they were doing on like their their first album, Mystic Styles, and um, and kind of putting it more, um, focusing more on the kind of street life, like, gangster kind of stuff, but also, like, party kind of lyrics and things like that, um, which kind of became kind of the central, you know, features of trap music as it yeah. progressed from there. Um, well, uh, but the change,
4: it, of the, the change of the name probably is, like, the kind of uh, that really sublimates or distills the sort of change that happened, because, like, Triple Six Mafia, yeah, I mean, like, you instantly think 666, six, six, you know, 36s. Yeah. Whereas with 3-6 mm-hmm. Mafia, it's a little vaguer. Like, I, like, you know... Uh, it, it's a like, little more subliminal. I'll sublimo. admit, I'm not, like, a super, like, you know, down uh, hip-hop head. I'm not, like, super, like, you know, I love, uh, like, a lot of rappers, like, a lot of uh, hip-hop artists, but I wasn't really aware of 3-6 Mafia until, you know, It's Hard Out Here for a Pimp. And when I first, like, you know, heard of them, The connection between and obviously, like, you know, I was a goth teenager, like I was listening to the white equivalent of, you know, three, six mafia for (laughs) sure. So you like, I would be one to pick up on that, but I, I didn't really make the association instantly at all. Um,
2: yeah, yeah. I I think I it's like it occurred to me at some point, but I think it's the kind of thing where it it, it didn't hit me right away. Um, I probably became like familiar with them in like the early two thousands, so like not not too long before they had their big like Oscar win with Hustle and Flow. But yeah, it was one of those things that could just might make you kind of go, huh? The three six 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 mafia, okay. Yeah, and I I I initially
4: thought thirty, you know, thirty six. Like yeah, and I always assumed it was just kind of you know, yeah, like yeah, like it's kind of area codes or whatever, something like that. That's what I kind of had thought. But exactly,
2: exactly. It's a little bit more, um, almost like secularized and like occulted a little bit and a little more mainstream friendly. It wasn't until it's probably in the early twenty. 10s when trap music started to make have this huge breakout and started and a lot of the articles that we read kind of in reference for this are like all like vice articles from 2012 literally that are like you know these like 23 year old like white vice journalists like kind of getting turned on to like 90s trap like older trap music and I think Mm -hmm. there's something about the kind of like vintage music head kind of um you know I don't know the kind of Hipster snobbery that I think was parodied in uh, the LCD Sound System song "Losing My Edge," uh, mm-hmm. which is just like a, an obnoxious like Williamsburg guy like rattling off all of the obscure. Bands and like records that he has. Um, There was a kind of thing where I think there was there's a certain mystique around the Memphis trap scene because it was so DIY, and maybe in a way it it harked back to a lot of these like young journalists, like punk upbringing or their, you know, goth like underground scene kind of a suburban <laughs> the stuff that they were into um, mm-hmm. because it was like it was basically uh, it was kind of not very connected at all to the major labels on the west and east coast in the 90s and a lot of these guys were self-producing in Memphis and like producing their own tapes like by you know Uh, kind of, you know, 100 or 200 at a time and, like, going to local record stores and, like, convincing the guy to, like, buy 100 of them. And so they had, you know, uh, sometimes they had... You know, just these sort of, like, generic, like, printed out labels and stuff. But then the, the the cover artwork got very expressive and kind of interesting and kind of almost inspired the kind of mixtape artwork. Like, the really kind of, like, harsh, just, like, Photoshop juxtapositions of, like, a million things on it. And that kind of, like, uh, uh, you know, bright, like, style. Um, It, it kind of popularized that kind of style. Or at least, like, it presaged it um, in the broader culture. And so I think when people started to discover some of these cassette tapes that also were, like, extremely obscure because they Mm -hmm. weren't really put out by a record label, some of these rappers, it's not even fully known who their idea Identities were, yeah. or are, or if they're mm-hmm. still alive. Like, yeah. I think Ma- Maniac was Maniac one of those Maniac is someone
4: no one knows who Maniac is. No, and, uh, yeah, which uh, yeah. admittedly
2: is that that does create quite the mystique. Um, yes, for a- sure. And and, and so people started, you know, like digitally, uh, you know, capturing these cassette tapes and kind of archiving them on the internet in like the 2010s. And then a lot of people started discovering it that maybe had, you know, never heard it the first time or they'd only heard the more popularized versions of kind of like Southern rap. But this stuff was like on a, such a different kind of, um, a mood palette than a lot of other hip hop and uh the the style of sampling the sort of um the 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 trap beats, which like structurally they're similar to later 36 Mafia music, but like this is all recorded most of the stuff's recorded on like four tracks with mm-hmm. like a clipping like 808 machine. And it's yeah. like the quality is like not good, but that actually kind of makes it more interesting. Right. It's it's extremely lo-fi basically. Mm-hmm. And it's like these like clipping, you know, heavy bass lines and these little hi hats. And then um one thing they did instead of kind of sampling for more traditional kind of stuff like a lot of West and East Coast hip-hop uh, you know sampling like 70s soul and funk and things like that. they were sampling like 70s like horror movie soundtracks that they would right. find in like the clearance bin So it had this very like Halloweeny, kind of um spooky ethereal and then like also like classical music compositions on top of that one of
4: my favorite albums that we listened to which apparently was very big uh for a time like in 1993 one of my favorite uh sort of old memphis albums that we listened to from that very like sort of underground diy time is uh the single by a group called children of the corn that only Mm -hmm. not to be confused with the one that cameron was in um but and uh, and big l right Yeah, uh, this is the one with a little Grimm, who now is known as Grimm. And I guess that group only existed for about two years, uh, but... Yeah, uh, they actually, like, uh, according to Graham, who produced the album, he sort of actually used, like, a ho- one of those Halloween cassettes that you would play, like, uh, yeah. to sort of sample for the album. Like, you know, someone goes, like, "He eh, eh, hey eh, like, in the background of, like, your Halloween <laughs> party, and, like, whoa, oh, you God. know. But, it, yeah, it's a very, like, it's, a, like, a very chilling, scary album, actually. Like, it does have that sort of, that was, like, the, of the albums that we listened to, that was the one that I felt. Maybe World of the Psych- World of the Psycho by Maniac is Mm -hmm. uh also like you know has that sort of scary vibe but definitely i thought uh that one children of the corn the single um has like that sort of evil feeling to it for sure um yeah yeah but
2: yeah i I mean they all are and that, that 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 goes to say that like basically the other like defining feature of memphis rap at at this time in the 90s was like an almost singular like thematic fixation on horror elements and dark, and even like explicitly satanic, demonic, yeah, uh, kind of themes and uh, characters and aesthetics.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was sure. probably
2: rivaled only by like black metal or something.
4: Yeah, it is. And, uh, and I mean, like black
2: metal black in metal. like the Norwegian sense, like like you know Norwegian black metal. Um, yeah, and um, uh, people have drawn a lot of parallels between like that. You know, Norwegian black metal being a response to like more kind of mainstream metal and, you know, and Memphis horrorcore being a kind of response to like more clean like G-Funk and like Boom Bop kind of stuff that was on the coasts, um but it is i mean i think it's definitely what served as like the main hook for why i think we want to dive into it on subliminal jihad because you can't have something with this much like explicit devil imagery in it and not make you kind of go huh interesting well one of the what's this all
4: about one of the interesting things about it is because like you know these tapes are so diy being passed around hand to hand they didn't have like necessarily a cr- clear provenance they were coming like word of mouth is sort of circulating like you know because of their obscurity uh that creates yeah like you said a, t- a kind of mystique and certain uh you know legends would circulate around them you know the whole idea of like as, as you mentioned like you know memphis and then tennessee and then this area of the south is also like uh, a big sort of uh, ground uh, of the blues. And, of course, mm-hmm. you know, the famous stories of Robert Johnson and actually of Tommy Johnson before him of having sold their Souls to the Devil and that type of thing. Yes. There's this sort of mystique. But, uh, yeah, I think that these tapes, because, like, they have, like, all these sort of... Really, like, someone who also, I will say, like, you know, this is another uh, very... uh this is showing my, uh, my whiteness uh, in terms mm-hmm. of this uh, comment, but someone who I think... Uh, could it drew on a lot of these aesthetics and sort of mainstreaming them is Eminem because the whole mm-hmm. like you know like Kim, uh, his, his song is very much like uh, like that same sort of thing where there's like screams like a murder being depicted like a lot of these songs, kind of yeah. have that sort of vibe to them and so I think that eventually it became like a a, a, a story that was told uh, and like who knows like what truth but that there maybe were some real murders that could be heard on these on these tapes. Yeah, um, that was that,
2: one allegation. There are several yes. allegations about kind of uh, uh, some, something spooky or sinister going on with some of these tapes that is like taken a few different forms. One of that, that's maybe more, I would say, uh, in a way, a more mm, easier to wrap my head around kind of um, manifestation of this. That um, that some of these rappers on these tapes would commit a murder and then later go to the location of that murder and record tracks at the scene t- in order to capture some of the residual dark energies of the uh kind of you know evil act that was committed yeah. and of course i mean very hard or to prove something that, like that
4: like some of the screams or sounds you would hear would be like you know a snuff tape that's like playing yes. in the background you know like too. Uh, anything that too. like that yeah, yeah. Which is, you know, a common, uh, thing with, uh, this type of, like, you know, uh, I mean, it can be used as a marketing tactic, like, you know, now we see these found footage horror movies that circulate where this kind of, like, the appeal is, like, to kind of have this sort of, uh, idea that this is like we're watching some kind of like paranormal snuff film or whatever and like with this it's mm-hmm. actually more tenable in a way because like no one knows this tape came from in the case of maniac someone like that so yeah yeah they're not turning like, it
2: they're not turning it into a record label or anything for yeah exactly you know, people to like go over it and and all that stuff so it, it it does leave that door open for yeah you know uh and of course like i think there's also a dimension. To it, uh, that this is, of course, Memphis, Tennessee. And like you said, uh, you know, there's the old... Uh, yeah, like the Tommy Johnson legend of meeting the devil at the crossroads that had a lot of currency within the genre of blues. Um, But also, you know, Memphis itself in a very real way is, uh, I think even one of its nicknames is like the crossroads of America, or it's often been referred to as that because it is a valuable kind of Uh, sort of central trade route, particularly for the early United States when it was expanding west, because it's a very busy port city on the Mississippi River and also um, kind of, I think, initially provided a lot of easy access to, like, you know, the kind of the upper Midwest and also to the south and then out further to the west. And even to this day, it is, I believe, one of the central hubs of FedEx and also Hmm. one of the biggest hubs of the interstate trucking industry. Uh, I want to do an
4: episode about, like, the occult postal service uh, at some point. Like, I feel like there's some stuff there. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, Uh, yeah,
2: and it should be mentioned. Of course, you know, it was founded in, uh, I believe, 1819 by three prominent Tennesseans, um, one of which... uh, Uh, One of which you will know the name of. uh, And those were John Overton, James Winchester, and future president Andrew Jackson. And they explicitly did name it after the ancient capital in Egypt on the Nile River. Um, and, of course, uh, I we know for a fact that Andrew Jackson and John Overton were extremely high-ranking Freemasons, and I would yeah. assume—it doesn't say it in the limited bio information—James Winchester was a uh, was an officer in the American Revolutionary War and a general in the War of 1812, but yeah. I, I, would, I would venture to guess he was a Freemason as well. So it was, you know, in, like, yeah. Michael Aquino's wildest dreams, this city was founded— almost as like a new memphis for a new uh i don't know masonic uh civilization um that was going to become a central trading hub and of course it did throughout the 20th century it grew rapidly as a trade and transportation center and And even um, prior
4: to that prior to the 20th century you know it was a transportation center this is part of its dark history that it was like a major hub for the trafficking of slaves yeah, it was a major
2: uh, yeah. major hub um, for yeah. uh, for the slave trade in the antebellum South,
4: mm-hmm. and, and yeah, so like uh, also yeah, mir- mirroring the sort of uh, ancient uh, capital of Egypt for sure, but uh, in another way, in addition to being on the Nile um, and on the border of Tennessee and Arkansas, um, but anyway, yeah,
2: it was uh, it was captured uh, at the outset of the Civil War though, and. Uh was only uh, briefly a Confederate stronghold. And uh, I guess uh, Fort Pickering um, was, uh, yeah, uh, used to control the Mississippi River area. Um, But actually future founder of the uh, Ku Klux Klan, uh, General Nathan Bedford Forrest, uh, who I believe, you know, it's rumored... uh, co-founded the KKK with, uh, Freemason Albert Pike, uh, harassed Union forces in the area throughout the war. <laughs> yes. and, so, uh, um, so, you know, course, it, it's,
4: yeah. And of course also, you know, Martin Luther King was killed there, um, at, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, at Mason Temple, uh, which is a Christian church, I guess, but it's called, uh, Mason Temple.
2: Um, or was it adjacent? He was killed at the Lorraine Motel, but was that like next to the Mason Temple?
4: oh yeah sorry uh it was the day after he gave his you know
2: his oh okay okay yeah yeah, yeah. gotcha Uh, yeah and i um i think we'll definitely we should do a uh an episode on the assassination of mlk at one point i i think of all the 60s assassinations his in some ways is almost the easiest to i think cast doubt on especially because of the fact that uh, the shooter did not die immediately afterwards but you know strenuously, James Earl Ray strenuously denied that he uh, I think he was it, it appears that he was set up to be there and be the fall guy but um, there was a uh, there's a this was an HBO mock trial in the early 90s that I, I've never been able to find on the internet ever again that tried to, like, recharge James Earl Ray with the crime huh. and, like, present all the evidence. And the jury acquitted him. And, in fact, Martin Luther King's entire family visited him in jail uh, some years ago uh, before before he died and came away absolutely convinced that this guy like had nothing to do with it and there's been a lot of rumors that like the sort of dixie mafia and maybe like a unit of army intelligence were there and uh did the job so you know it has that dark history hanging over it as well as kind of where you know the 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 greatest head of the civil rights movement was assassinated by it you know uh dark forces there was also a rumor that one of the head surgeons at the memphis hospital where martin Luther king was taken was like secretly a klansman or connected to the dixie mafia and actually uh smothered martin Luther king on the operating table because he was not dead yeah and uh i think there was a nurse who was there who witnessed this and uh spoke about it uh in some recent mm. years before her death, yeah. um, I think that's somewhat anecdotal, but it was uh, basically all these, yeah, all these good old boys in the operating room. Uh, you know, they actually could have saved him, but they were there to make sure that he did not leave Memphis alive. Um, and, yeah. you know, uh, and of course, Later in the 20th century, something that directs uh, or, you know, that connects uh, directly to our previous episode about the CIA, crack cocaine, you know, all that good stuff and how it, it spread across the country. Memphis was one of the places that got hit extremely hard, uh, you know, once crack started to spread um, mostly to black communities like all around the nation Um and by the early '90s, I believe that it—I think it had the—it was—it was in the top five murder rates uh, in the entire country, Memphis, Tennessee. So it was—it uh, was extremely beset by the crack trade, by crime, by you know aggressive policing. The same dynamics that we saw going you know, going on everywhere else at the time. And of course was a huge inspiration and a kind of, uh, I don't know, a kind of fuel to certain genres of gangster rap that started to really take hold in the late eighties, you know, kind of starting with NWA. But by the early nineties, you had kind of gangster rappers, um, were, you know, topping the charts and it was almost becoming the dominant genre of, uh, Of rap music that was directly connected, kind of, I think, to the like socioeconomic uh, and even like psychological consequences of the crack epidemic, and all the uh, various problems it caused. So I think like it it you have to look at uh, Memphis Horrorcore kind of occurring out of that broader context where these young people that were in, you know, in Memphis were uh, all of a sudden, you know, they were growing up in a world with extreme amounts of like escalating violence with, you know, gangs and the drug trade and um, and a kind of, you know, a, like a, a kind of nihilistic um, attitude towards uh towards the world and i think you know they in a way i don't know i guess you would say maybe they kind of took it another thematic step further than just they people wrapping up being in gangs and kind of almost like reached for something a little bit more like Jungian or elemental or you know spiritual about and cosmic almost like a, almost lovecraftian in a way yeah uh, well
4: yeah in a way like i mean again it sort of repeats uh something that's happened in like american popular music before where like to up the ante or make your music like uh more compelling or, or, or provocative or uh to catch people's interest you you take it a step further and it's like okay what is uh you know more provocative than these stories of like you know uh being in a gang or being a criminal like what if you were you know uh like a cosmic criminal in a way you know like you were worshiping the devil and i think you know like as part of it is also in a way like environmental you know like one sus and spooky thing about memphis is the giant pyramid that they have but of course kind of as like an homage to the sort of egyptian uh name of the city it's Um, extremely
2: sus yeah yeah that was
4: actually like finished like around the same time this was like in 1991 i think was when that building was open to the public, and it was only sort of started in 1998. Uh, or Sorry, 1989. Um, I reversed the, the numbers, but... Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, like, uh, yeah, originally they wanted to do, like, all three pyramids, like, you know, three pyramids, like the pyramids of Giza. Um, uh-huh. But, yeah, anyway, and, like, there's all sorts of weird stuff uh, involving that pyramid. Like, I read uh, that they, like, the sort of... Uh, architect of the pyramid, or the or the funder, like hid some kind of uh, crystal skull in there. Yes, um, he did. That, yeah, he did. like uh, yes, it uh, it was placed there by Isaac Tigrett, who was the founder of the Hard Rock Cafe restaurant chain.
5: According Very to Tigrett,
4: the skull was only one of several crystal and mystical objects placed with the building. Of the others have never been found in a blog post. Uh, you know, Jones, I guess, who's uh, Tom Jones, a consultant with Smart City Consulting in Memphis. Um, he, uh, is, uh this guy Jones, who I guess was consulting on the, on the building, describes Tiggert reacting to the removal of the coastal skull. You don't have any idea what you have done, he quotes Tiggert as saying, while going on <laughs> to claim that the cosmic balance of the earth may have been disrupted by the removal wow. of the skull. Um, yes, and uh, apparently. Uh, city and county officials were told that the skull had actually materialized in the hands of Mr. Tigrit's guru. Um, he denies, uh, for what it's worth, Tigrit denies that, um, you know, what, uh, that he sort of said this. Although he didn't deny placing the skull, um, and other mystical items. Um, and he said that was all part of the glamour and mystery and mysticism of Egypt. Uh, He's quoted as saying in the New York Times. Um, Um, Yeah,
2: I I just uh, just found something here that um, is absolutely making my head spin because I was just thinking this morning about the crystal skull placed in there and I was walking around this morning and I saw an ad for crystal skull vodka. And uh, who can, I don't know, maybe some people won't remember this, but I remember in kind of earlier, like Web 2.0, one of the yeah. great viral moments was the bizarre infomercial that Dan Aykroyd did for Crystal Skull Vodka, where he started going off on this whole, like, tangent about, like, UFOs and, like, ancient Aztec, like, magical goblets and how he was, like, showing off a Crystal Skull. He was Maybe it was the same Crystal Skull as in the Memphis Pyramid. What that, he's, that he claimed was, like, discovered and had magical powers, and so Crystal Skull Vodka was uh, modeled after that skull, and drinking the vodka would kind of, I don't know, like, give you some kind of residual, kind of, you know, it kind of embodied the magical powers of the original Crystal Skull.
4: Yeah, I wonder yeah. if we, I don't know if it was the same skull. I mean, Crystal Skull is, like, our whole thing, uh, yeah. yeah, well, here, here's,
2: the, here's the thing that made my head spin, though, because I just looked up um, Isaac Tigrett, who was born in Jackson, Tennessee, um, and founded the Hard Rock Cafe. But I see right here that in 1992, Tigrett started the House of Blues with partner Dan Aykroyd. <laughs>
4: Wow, that makes and sense.
2: on top of that, Harvard University was an initial investor in the business, and a prototype was opened in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Soon after, Disney and Andrew Filipowski invested in the venture. And um, let me see. Uh, I guess uh, yeah, f- f- Andrew Flip Filipowski is like a tech investment entrepreneur guy. But... Um, uh, but uh, he also Tigrit also launched in the late 90s the Spirit Channel, an enterprise offering services related to spirituality and health throughout the internet, traditional media, and physical locations. The venture failed to take off. Tigrit, uh, Tigrit launched yet another new venture in 2004, the Bozo Project, focusing on the restaurant business. Tigrit was influenced by his guru, Satya Sai Baba. In the BBC documentary, The Secret Swami, Tigrit stated that he believed that there was truth to the rumors of Sai Baba's actions of pedophilia and sexual abuse towards some of his young male followers. He also stated that his such behavior would not change his belief in Sai Baba. Huh. Ooh, okay. okay. Cool. All right. Gonna add Sathya Sai Baba to, uh, to. Was he. He wasn't a Maharishi guy, was he? Um, um, no, think just another. I the
4: Maharishis were all about Osho. I feel like there wasn't like room for. Um,
2: you're right he was a different he wore orange as well but uh but was another one of these uh gurus um so okay that's so he is a longtime friend with dan Aykroyd. i assume he may have given dan Aykroyd the crystal skull that he did that weird thing on he's obsessed with like spiritualism and uh worships this guru who's a pedo um and founded the house of blues that for some reason harvard university was the first investor in what's that all about
4: um, I don't know. I guess it was the Rajneesh who were all about Osho. The Maharishis are different. But anyway, yeah. Sorry, I, sorry.
2: You're right, you're right. It was the, I was actually thinking of Rajneishi, Uh, yeah, but he was um, neither of those. Um, and, Yes. Um,
4: uh, wow. Uh, very, uh, yeah, I'm just looking at uh, the Sai Baba, like, Wikipedia article right now. A lot of, like, bizarre stuff. Uh, yeah, apparently he... Um, yeah, like, uh, anyway, woof, yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah.
0: whatever.
2: And um, the Hard Rock Cafe is, is legally owned by the Seminole Tribe of Florida. I don't, we'll just have to, we'll, we'll say that for maybe the Disney yeah. episode. Um, um <laughs> it's just, there's a lot going so... on here. This old, this is getting very American Gothic, uh, very fast. Um, um but, but yeah, yeah, I guess this... there
4: were all sorts of, like, problems with this pyramid. Originally, yeah, you know, it was supposed to have like, a Hard Rock Cafe, appropriately, uh, but like the construction was plagued by those problems, and like, for years it like just stood empty, like this weird empty pyramid in downtown. Much Memphis. like
2: the glor- much um, like the 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 towering hotel uh, in Pyongyang, uh, that uh, maybe it's finished now, but kind of was like in construction for like thirty years, yes. which also had a pyramidal kind of structure to it. Mm, um, yeah um, something about pyramid uh, but, buildings, maybe. It just they, they provide a certain trick. I think the, the Memphis Grizzlies and the University of Memphis basketball team, they like made it a basketball stadium yeah, in the 90s. Yeah, they were the 90s.
4: supposed to like, be there for a while. I don't know if they ever actually they, were. They built
2: a newer, bigger stadium in Memphis, and so all the teams moved. And so after that, they kind of didn't know what to do with it for many years until finally Bass Pro Shops bought it. And I think since like 2015, it is now like one of America's largest fishing superstores.
4: Interesting, yeah. Uh, apparently they Which, have like a man made swamp in there and undersea they do. themed bowling alley. Uh the tallest freestanding elevator in America. That's interesting. Okay. Word. Wow. Um, yeah, it's
2: 32 stories high, which is interesting. Uh you hmm. think they would go maybe 33 is like the hidden well, floor of the foundation. The...
4: Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, like how the Washington yeah. Monument is 555, but 20% of it's underground. So uh interesting. but okay. Yeah, so, it's so 777. So I'm off at, oh, sorry, okay. uh or 666. or So it's oh, off okay. seven.
2: So the, these things are all, you know, this is kind of the um, maybe, you know, these are some things that are going on in Memphis. And then also, I mean, the thing that maybe some allege has a deeper connection to, like, Memphis Horrorcore, is one of the most famous murder cases of the 90s, which was like the West Memphis Three murders.
4: Yeah. Um yeah, I remember hearing about this uh, before I even uh, heard of uh, Three Six Mafia, because this was something that was like kind of a uh, well, the West Memphis three is interesting because it can uh, refer to like the people who were murdered because um, mm-hmm. there were three like boys who were killed. Yeah, uh, second but, graders. like the West Memphis three, as you know, uh, I first heard of them were actually the accused. Uh, the people who were accused of of the killing uh, yes. wrongly. And this was kind of like a cause célibre for, uh, like, goth teenagers because they were kind of, like, being persecuted for, uh, you know, seeming to be, like, kind of uh, maybe, like, darker alternative kids in this, you know, conservative sort of environment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, uh, that's how yeah. it was
2: always... <clears throat> I think there was a, uh, there was a pretty famous documentary series on hbo and i think there was even like a separate documentary maybe also that came out that um i think it was called paradise lost and it kind of um it it ended up being i think like a trilogy uh, uh released over the course of like a decade and it kind of went from you know at first an exploration into the details of this case and maybe calling into question some of the the convictions of the the three teenage boys who were convicted and then i think by the third film like really just turned in an all-out like advocacy campaign that was i think in part funded by people like peter jackson and johnny depp and right. basically were completely convinced that these three boys like had absolutely nothing to do with it and they were totally innocent and i think you know it, it, it's often i think if you ask people maybe who are vaguely familiar with it today they would say oh well like all their convictions were overturned, and they were like go because there this was all the product of a satanic panic this is like Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the one of the last gasps of in the early in 1993 was when these murders happened um and um and uh let's see um and, yeah, and basically that, the, like, the prejudice of the local authorities against these, like, gothy teens who maybe uh, dabbled a little bit in, like, you know, uh, occult stuff and, like, heavy metal music, but, you know, nothing worse than that, uh, were fingered and, like, bullied into, you know, doing these crimes. But what actually happened is that, you know, there was newly produced DNA evidence in 2010. Um and uh, and allegations of potential juror misconduct. And that led prosecutors to negotiate a plea bargain. Um, after these kids had, I think, all been sentenced to uh, life in prison, one of them, Damien Eccles, was sentenced to death. Uh, Jesse Miskelly was life in prison, uh, life imprisonment, and Jason Baldwin, life imprisonment. And so they basically uh, accepted. They entered Alford pleas, which is a specific specific type of plea deal that basically. Um, it 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 allows you to assert your innocence while acknowledging that prosecutors have enough evidence to convict you. So it's kind of like leaving a door open to uh, the the charges against you, you know, but also um, asserting your innocence. And so they were all uh, they were all sentenced to time served and released, and um, they're like free today. And now like they're I don't know it's still. You know, uh, it's still held up as this like great. You know, America came together and like stopped these religious prosecutors from you know. But do you the think that they
4: actually did it? Because I don't know. Like I feel like maybe it was uh, someone else. There's one guy who kind of is now held up as being the perpetrator, who's sus in his own way. It could be neither of them, but I don't know. I'm not actually like convinced that it was those guys. Uh I, I, like I think I don't that's kind say... of what's so like mysterious about the incident. Is that I feel like it very likely yeah. wasn't them. Well, well uh, here,
2: here's the interesting thing about that, because I, I think we could uh, I th- I think maybe the the West Memphis three. I'd like to go back and like watch those documentaries, and we could do like a whole kind of breakdown. I know there are other people out there like uh, like Ed Opperman, you know that guy who uh, and some other like conspiracy like you know radio host kind of people like like William Ramsey, who are like very convinced and have been like on this tip for years that all of these guys. Actually did it, but I, I wouldn't say that I'm like 100 percent sold that it was like they did it. But what I will say is that um, by all accounts, these three eight year old boys were murdered uh, in like a bizarre ritualistic manner. Um, yeah, and, like they're, you know, uh, they're their, like genitals were cut off and things like that. So what I find a little bit strange is just the vibe I've gotten from kind of like the pro like free the Memphis three type crowd, like the Johnny Depp's of the world is it seems like people got so obsessed with trying to prove the innocence that that the question of like, OK, yeah, but like somebody ritually murdered three children got like pushed by the wayside and it kind of like didn't matter anymore and, or, or also that kind of um, there was no evidence of satanic activity in these murders because the the prosecutors were just uh, blaming these boys for listening to heavy metal. But it seems like, well, that's not the most insane connection to make when these kids were killed in a kind of ritualistic, occultish kind of manner. And some of these kids, especially Damien Eccles, was like apparently obsessed with Aleister Crowley. And had, um, talked yeah, about he's Still
4: into magic, I guess uh, he
2: still is. Yeah. yeah. And today he's kind of like, I don't know, in the words of somebody like, I think William Ramsey, he's like throwing it in everybody's faces, like how much into dark magic he is and being like, Hey, hey I got away with it, you know? Um, and like, you know, constantly posting, I guess on social media, like kind of, um, You know, uh, you know, his kind of Crowley, you know, literature and uh, just spooky, like satanic kind of stuff. But um, everyone just stands him because he was like wrongly accused. Um, But I guess he did tell like a mental health professional, I think, before the murders that, you know, he had recently experimented with ritualistically drinking blood to gain superpowers. Mm hmm. You know, so like, uh, is it the most ridiculous thing that, you know, I feel like it just it, like if you be, if you let the kind of um, like the the psyop that like the satanic panic was all fake, like wash over you, then basically you're in a position of kind of like you can't take any of it seriously. When you look at this guy, there's no room for considering that maybe this guy was or i don't know maybe they were connected to an, uh, maybe a an, an adult or like another group of people that maybe, did it but um, or something like ultimately that ultimately
4: you can't like even if someone like you know uh i don't know about like the blood drinking thing i mean if you said that it was somebody else's blood i mean it's not like illegal like you know is it bizarre like is it like weird like yeah to drink it's not really illegal to drink like the blood of someone who like consentingly gives you their blood to drink or to drink your own blood like you know for ritual purposes like uh yeah i don't know like uh i feel like it is like a little bit suspicious of the dna they found of like those other dudes like uh you know uh the stepfather of one of the boys uh Mm -hmm. being found like uh on in the ligatures used to bind them and like also a hair uh from like a friend of the stepfather on a tree stump nearby Mm -hmm. i feel like that's like you know pretty but like that's like the thing you know like that's the thing with the satanic panic like yeah like you can't necessarily like let it deactivate like any sort of sensitivity to this stuff or to like even worse like make it so like you have like these positive feelings towards, like, Satanism as, like, this victimized, like, belief system or whatever, uh, but at the same time, like, I mean, there is an aspect of that where, like, uh you know people do this stuff and it's probably not like good to uh i mean you can't like persecute them just for it uh not in the united states i guess you know yeah like (laughs) uh, as long as their practices don't actually involve anything illegal even if they're drinking the blood of like other consenting adults like that technically is okay uh it's dangerous in various ways and, and weird and like possibly like you know, your satanic practices will, like, then eventually, like, be judged, like, in uh, a eschatological way. But, uh, you know, in terms of, like, the, you know, temporal order, uh, you know, like, uh, that is not sufficient. Um, But, yeah, I feel like, yeah, the emphasis on who didn't do it yeah, it does in a way kind of it does sort of distract from like the question of like who did and these like very, you know. Yeah, I think that there's definitely the DNA evidence is suspicious. It could be that there's some other reason for those that evidence being there and it isn't either of those people. It's possible. But uh, yeah, you uh, I don't know. But it's very uh, yeah, definitely a very spooky uh, crime. And it is yes. one that has been connected to like uh, the Memphis uh, yeah, the, the Memphis rap this... scene. Yeah, and the, yeah, the, the I, sigils, I, <clears throat> or the idea of the murder tapes, that yeah, like these yeah. type of murders uh, were somehow recorded in the tapes, uh, or that they were, like, this kind of evolved into, because of the satanic nature of this stuff, uh, or of the lyrics of the music, it kind of evolved into the idea that certain tapes themselves, or certain tracks, would, like, in a way, through these ritual acts encoded with like magical power like uh and that's Mm -hmm. like the idea that's how the memphis murder tapes kind of evolved into the the like what's now the more commonly uh known term of the memphis rap sigils which is the Mm -hmm. idea they have these sort of like in the magnetic tape of the cassette you know there's some kind of like it serves in a way as its own sort of crossroads where uh, these magical energy can kind of congregate. One of the best things to kind of as like kind of a reference to uh, our one of our past episodes. One of the best things that I encountered about these about the one of the best theories I encountered about them was that these sigils uh point the way to uh somehow they point the way to nephilim bases in the <laughs> Appalachian mountains uh wow. yes so so it goes uh, all the way there yeah there's like you know it's it yeah it goes off in all directions like from their tapes being cursed to them being snuff tapes or well from them being yeah. snuff tapes to them being cursed to them being like nephilim maps um, wow. Yeah, and, and that, like, you I, know, these murders the, have the ley lines and stuff that, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the, the ley lines thing is something we heard in, like, one YouTube video where they actually posited that the West Memphis Three Ritual murders, regardless of who may have committed them, uh, were committed by some kind of satanic cult that—and um, they committed them specifically on ancient— indian ley lines that basically reverberated like dark energy uh from that point outward and uh as this one guy says uh reverberated throughout rap history by basically influencing um i guess that's one of the kind of paranoid mystical takes of this is that maybe the um the the memphis three west memphis three murders triggered some kind of release of dark energy in Memphis that was in a way kind of picked up on by these young rappers. Um, I don't know if you could say in a, in a formal or informal way. Um, But I mean, even if you think about it just in a kind of mass psychological way, okay. Um, If you have these high profile child murders, and then you also have the gang violence and the violence of like the crack wave happening all around you that it just i I, you know it contributes bad vibes i think the the west memphis three murders probably did to the whole area and an idea because i mean the 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 area did kind of have this maybe popular interpretation that some kind of cult was running around and actually as as we will see um one of the biggest rappers from uh you know the Memphis scene in the nineties uh koopsta Nika, uh he he made a very interesting conspiracy documentary that is on YouTube and I think he released it in what twenty twelve yeah and uh, what was it that he described uh around that time in nineteen ninety three um so when, oh yeah. well, he was with three six mafia and they were trying to shoot album. You know, cover photos for Mystic Styles, right?
4: Yeah, they were cruising around, and there was some building. Again, he has a very, you know, I think that the members of Three Six Mafia did a lot of drugs, um, <laughs> and I think that uh, in the uh, diction of Koopsta Nicka, you can kind of see some of the evidence of that. So some of it's almost hard to follow his train of thought. Um, or, you know, really understand what he's getting at, but it could basically, be his deep
2: Memphis brogue as well, you know, um, not, uh, kind
4: of, I don't know. I can hear the actual words that he's saying, but I don't know. Like, uh, it's I very think rambling that, and kind of yes, all over the place. Yeah. He's a little bit scattered, but basically what I could piece together in terms of what he's saying is that there was this building called like the factory or that was some kind of factory. And he went there, he actually told one incident after the other, but in chronological order, what happened was they went there and the, you know, they were maybe doing some shooting album covers or whatever uh, for, for mystic styles. Um, And they, the cops like, you know, pulled up and said like, you guys can't be here. Like get away from here. Um, You know, it was like some abandoned building. Then later on, they went back and they saw, according to and Nick, uh, like a cult and robes sort of like doing this kind of ritual. He even says something like, they made us watch them, but doesn't go into further detail. So I don't know like who they is, like the cult or whatever, but uh, like, uh, or if like somehow he felt compelled to watch or if like his friends, like we're like, yo, let's stay and watch this. Like, you know, come yeah. on. Like, so it's very unclear, but. Anyway, his takeaway from that is that the police were enforcing the secrecy of this cult, like, originally. That they weren't just, like, harassing them in the way that cops are want to do, uh, but that they actually were, like, concerned with people roaming around this building because they were protecting the activities of this cult. And that is when Koops and Nika made the connection that there is some kind of cult involvement of people in government and in the you know the bureaucracy rich the like
2: rich people politicians yes. law enforcement and i mean you know it, it it's it's fascinating to, to think about, like, the history of Memphis and how, in a way, like, that that feels absolutely true on some level that, yeah. you know, that, that the things that have, uh, certain things that have gone on here and even, like, the people who founded the city were, like, a bunch of masons, and a bunch of slave-owning masons, you know?
4: Yeah, yeah, and, and I don't uh, doubt, yeah, and I don't doubt there's some truth to that. I mean, he talks about, it's very interesting because he is someone who... Really emphasized the satanic aspect of Three uh, Six Mafia, and he kind of almost portrays himself. I think that Lord Infamous also maybe had a role in it. Interestingly, maybe not interestingly, but you know, both he and Lord Infamous are the are the members of Three Six Mafia who are now no longer with us. At both or adjacent,
2: uh, adjacent to Three Six Mafia. I mean, yeah, like there are other people like like Lord Infamous is is DJ Paul's brother.
4: Um. Yeah, but he was also yeah. in Three Six Mafia. I guess, um, I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, they were both in it. Uh, I mean, they eventually, like, you know, they went their separate ways, and, like, people brought like came out and had solo careers, and other people stayed kind of associated with Who's Six Mafia for longer. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, he... Uh, uh, Lord Infamous died in uh, 2013, and Koops and Nick died in 2015. But, anyway, I guess they were... Sort of the ones who are maybe the the bigger architects of the idea of the the satanic aspect of it. At least Kuwsonika describes himself as being much more hardcore um, about the satanic aspect than some other members of the group were. Um, although I think that like you know even Juicy J was relatively into it. Uh, Kuwsonika makes the point that like on the cover of Mystic Styles, uh, he is the one who's kind of uh, you know on the on the cross uh, in mm. the in the picture like a. Mystic Styles. You can see the, uh, like you know the the band members, and they're all kind of positioned around this crucifix, and that's Koope Nickas on there, and he actually kind of talks about kind of relatedly to like the constitution of the city and that type of stuff. Like uh, you know, he talks about how this came out of a hatred that he felt towards God uh, as a young person. Um, in that same documentary, he talks about yeah, how, like, he going hated to church, God. yeah, um, and just like you know, he felt like his life you know sucked uh and god you know hadn't helped him and he didn't like the idea uh of this european sort of jesus and this white european god which Mm -hmm. is fair because like jesus wasn't like the white person (laughs) who's probably in a lot of these churches of memphis nor is yeah uh you know and i i understand why you would not like the idea of jesus being god um Mm -hmm. you know or any human being uh being god but uh, yeah, so that led him to kind of uh, embrace uh, more enthusiastically the idea of the the devil. Uh, he does say, um, you know, kind of in line with what we were sort of talking about, about how this uh, is sort of a way to take the the gangster rap aesthetic like a step further. He said, you know, I hated God, but not that much. I did it because it was money um, mm-hmm. and that this is sort of a way to make a nose. But he also says some other very sus things. Uh, such as that uh, he, you know, felt that he was used by Satan. He says, "quote uh, I think I was used by Satan, and I think he's a bitch. I don't even believe in that motherfucker no more. Uh, but you know, I was used by Satan to get black people." Um, mm. And he says, uh, "I was intelligent with it. How hey, you get Satan's name going? You get the kids to like it. Uh, mm. So he's yeah. like, his whole thing was, I'm gonna make black people comfortable with triple six And he sort of, like, you know, their uh, label for a while was hypnotize minds. And this is an idea that he returned to a lot, like, in his remarks uh, on this documentary about the New World Order, um, where Mm -hmm. he sort of says that he, like, very deliberately tried to sort of repeat triple six and hypnotize people. Um, Yeah, yeah. Like a trance, you know,
2: and Um, that's even that's even kind of like pointed out in more mainstream kind of, you know, cover like writing or these little like videos you see about like the history of, you know, Memphis horror court that um, that the effect is pretty you pretty much have to describe it as like hypnotic in a lot of these songs by the. Like almost ritualistic, rapid, like looping of vocal lines and stuff like that, yeah. and they even, you know, they were very big about sampling other. There are certain songs and certain lines that would get like sampled again and again and again, and like various different artists. And they kind of it was a little bit different from maybe how the scenes in on the coasts were operating at the time, where it felt like. It was just kind of um, it was a little more like Creative Commons. Like you would just take something if it was cool, and then people would like reuse it over and over and over again. And like it would get more like kind of murky and full of tape hiss, like the more times people sample it. And um, and uh, and yeah, it just has. I mean, along with the the Halloween melodies that are sampled and the kind of slow plotting, like halftime you know uh trap beats that they kind of pioneered um it, it does create a kind of hypnotic feel when you're listening to it um yeah. and a, a kind of mysterious you know this like lo-fi like where did this music come from you know kind of thing and yeah. uh like a real mystery is cultivated
4: yes and there's you know uh one of the most famous sort of uh, three six mafia little stories or legends and uh You know, think what you want. I think it's very like uh, pretty widely considered to be sort of inaudible or indeterminate what it is. But on their song "Stay Fly," you can Mm -hmm. kind of hear this almost subliminal like uh, "Lucifer, you're my king, you're my father," sort of repeating. Uh, Yeah. Uh, There's debate over what is being said. Or like, was this a sample? Some have said it says "Tell Me Why." Some have been saying that it's uh, "juicy," you know, which is interesting how "juicy" kind of sounds. Juicy J lucifer i don't know but anyway like uh, Mm. but Mm, uh anyway but yeah i mean that's a stretch but like uh (laughs) you know it's unclear what's being said but a common interpretation of it is that on stay fly uh in the background you could kind of hear this sort of uh you know little undecipherable um like, uh, background in the chorus, which is, uh, Lucifer, You're My King, You're My Father, but wow. anyway, yes. Yeah. so, uh, there's lots of stuff like that. I mean, one of the, uh, songs, uh, one of my favorite songs of the ones that we listened to, uh, in preparing for this episode is, uh, on, again, like, my favorite tape of the ones we listen to, uh, The Children of the Core the single, um, mm-hmm. I think the song is called Suffer, um, and basically, yeah. uh, what it is about is, like, uh, it's the story of someone who, like, has, uh, like, they actually use the word shaitan in the song literally, but he has, like, a shaitan yes. in his brain. Um, well, because
2: uh, he's, he's being haunted by jinns, which yeah, they, also they also say explicitly, yeah, like, yes. several times uh, that, like, you gotta watch out for those jinns. Yeah. often can take like can come in the form of a man yeah know, exactly like
4: uh yeah that's a great line like watch out for gins appearing mm-hmm. sometimes in the form of a man of but a yeah, yeah uh, but uh yeah um so basically in the song like the person is kind of driven insane by the sound of the or the the sort of Chaitan in the brain and drives him to commit suicide and then uh he wakes up in hell you know and he sees all these uh, demons yeah. and things after, like that yeah after
2: after murdering people
4: yeah um yeah. Yeah. so He's,
2: they're driving him to kill and then to kill himself and it sounds like i mean he references being cursed by these busters you know, yeah. so I think maybe he was cursed by like a rival, you know, by an enemy or a rival gang, perhaps or the or a cult.
4: busters. I don't like, know if the djinns are
2: busters or if they if the djinns are kind of sicked on him by, you know, some mm, human yeah. enemies of his. But either way, he's being tormented by djinns and Shaitan is, you know, uh controlling him and basically, yeah, I mean, that's uh yeah.
4: That's uh, yeah, definitely one of the uh, Suss's songs. Like uh, yeah, there's like I mean that album and a lot, of, a lot of the other albums. Like it's interesting because you know it's not just like uh, sort of like insane clown posse stuff. Where I mean I don't really listen to that much insane clown posse, so I can't really <laughs> well, say. But, yeah. but a Speaking lot of the songs Detroit
2: is like Detroit horror, horrorcore.
4: Yeah, yeah, like were the uh, other a people
2: of, doing this a lot.
4: A lot of their but, songs are like, we're in the carnival, like, here's the juggler. Like, it's not like that, you know, it kind of is a mix of the satanic sort of themes with your typical gangster rap themes. Like there is a lot about drug dealing and yeah. like, you know, instead of just being like, we're torturing the fundamentalist Christians and the pedal, you know, like or whatever that <laughs> they <laughs> sing about in the St. Clown Posse, like Slice off your neck. Like that kind of less, stuff.
2: Yeah.
4: yeah. Bloody hatchet. I mean it's a lot less uh it's a lot less cringy in general, uh, but also like, yeah, like one of the big themes uh that's interesting in this is the masking is like a huge thing. Oh yeah like, masking uh, up. I guess masking yeah, up Yeah yeah. They're always masking up. I guess that's like still kind of a thing with people like, you know, uh uh Triple X uh, Tentacion's friend, uh Ski Mask, you know, who like Ski Mask the cut. Yeah, had to cut ties with him because he said he was gonna sacrifice him or whatever. But wow. maybe we can get into some of the more modern uh, stuff down the line. But uh, yeah. anyway, yes, yeah, so I guess. But like, definitely, like one of the topoi or like the standard stories in these songs is like the type of crimes you're committing is like breaking and entering and like wearing a mask. Um, one of the there's robbing, actually a song.
2: Yeah, yeah robbing people.
4: There's two songs I think on Children of the Corn the single where like masking is like in the chorus or like the prize. One is like called "Don't Forget to Grab Your Mask," which I think is really interesting because it has a lot of resonances like today and like uh, <laughs> you know like the lyrics go. Yeah, up, and it but it is a pro-
2: Jason. It's like a Jason Voorhees hockey mask, right? Well,
4: it's unclear. I think that it might okay. be like a, a ski mask or something like that. I, you I, know? I've so-
2: seen the, the I've seen the song pop up on YouTube called it's called Hockey Mask, but it's like the same song. So maybe I don't know. There are other people. Maybe they mislabeled uh, it or something. But yeah, when I, the first time I heard it, I was like thinking of this like kid putting on a Jason hockey. Well, mask, definitely but...
4: like yeah, the Jason mask is like a common thing. Like uh, that one album cover you showed me for that song, uh, "Low Down on the Sinister," uh, uh-huh. or I guess it's coming. It's called "Hell Has Arisen." uh a yeah. uh, song. But uh, and I guess it's by "Low Down on the Sinister." Um, and yeah, the, which, uh, I love the comment on that video of the, uh, they sampled the fire alarm. Cause it really does kind of sound like that, but, um, <laughs> yeah,
2: it's, it's really yeah. kind of a uh, jarring.
4: Yeah. Um, but yeah, on the cover of that uh, tape, I guess they are like wearing the hockey mask and certainly like, uh, and I mean that thing I remember, like, I mean, I remember Eminem's line, you know, if it's not a rapper that I make it as, I'll probably be a rapist and Jason mask. Like, you know, that <laughs> like whole thing, like, yeah. uh, it's definitely like a, a common theme, but uh, yeah, I was, it's not clear if they're like, you know, wearing ski masks. I mean, the masks on Mystic Styles are different, uh, and some of them are kind of those more like conventional sort of ski masks that you sure. would use to commit crimes. But anyway, yeah, so, uh, but the lyrics of the song, they actually kind of do refer to the sort of, uh, alleged epidemic that, you know, some will dispute is an epidemic, but, uh, you know, saying, uh, the lyrics go, uh, I'm going to, I was thinking before we started recording this episode that, I'm really setting myself up to sound like Ben Shapiro, you know, just being like uh, like wet-ass P-word as I read some of these lyrics. But anyway, I'm just going to go for it. Uh, so, okay. Colombians coming from overseas, there's plenty of Gs, thousands of Gs. That is how you make your money fast. For your health, protect yourself, and don't forget to grab your mask. Don't forget to grab your mask. Stay protected unexpected. That is how your ass gone last. So you know, wow. there's this aspect of like, yeah, exactly. It's interesting. There's this aspect of protection as well. Like, don't forget to grab your mask so you'll protect yourself for your health. You know, like maybe in the process of committing a of crime, you won't be identified. But like, it it resonates very interestingly. Like today, yeah, um, it it hits different. Um, you know, in this in this current climate. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that I feel like are kind of prescient in some of these songs, like uh, in World of the Cy- in World of the Psycho by. Uh, the Mysterious Maniac, there's one sort of uh, song, I forgot what the title is, but, uh, you know, it's best appreciated as an album anyway. Uh, there's one sort of vignette where he talks about, like, going to a mall with an Uzi and just, like, shooting into the crowd, which I feel like wow. is very much, you know... Mass uh, Shooter, MK, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mass uh, a, an early kind of incarnation, like, not something that, like, NWA was really rapping about. Like, you know, they were usually... Targeting people who like kind of deserved it, or yeah, uh, or it was know, done in a uh,
2: kind of like a playful, almost like sometimes comedic, but all like comedic bravado yeah. of like I'm ruthless when I spot a sucker, I kill him. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah, like I okay, so. easy, yeah. like yeah, um, and you know, um, but but not kind of like this like mass murder fantasy. Like yeah. I also I mean, there is by definitely, the devil.
4: There is definitely like a, still a playful element to it. Um, yes, which I yeah, think is true is. of like, you know, any of this stuff like there's well, definitely over, I mean, Juicy
2: like, J, like definitely I feel like they kind of amped up the playful side of what they were doing later on when they got bigger. And, you know, Juicy J still dropped a lot of kind of the persona in the 2010s where he was just a. Uh, popping like zanny bars and lean <laughs> yeah, in like a really dangerous fatal combination yeah. uh it, it's still like his lines about you know like uh you know and i had nothing to eat but some edibles or you know yeah uh, <laughs> yes you, like, you yeah, say no to drugs juicy can't <laughs> yeah, yeah he lives like, in a liquor store uh, yeah 50
4: pills in a party bag swag uh, yeah two zips yes. and a
2: double cup
4: uh, I'm, getting, I'm getting high <laughs> as
2: fuck. Uh, you yeah, know, just, like, like uh, yeah, his ability to turn a phrase much, like that.
4: Yeah, cry for help, uh, yeah. 100%. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, he's. I guess he's now tr- trying to lay off those annexes. I wish him the best of luck, uh, you know. And, as
2: do I, as do yeah, I. And um, I hope he's gotten away from Shaitan. Um, yeah,
4: I hope so as well. Um, but, yeah, like, uh, but I think, you know, like, uh, in terms of, like, the playfulness, like, that's kind of... And in the sort of murder rap stuff, like, uh, that's part of it because like the thing of like, you know, the maniac album world of a psycho, like it's about being a psycho. Like the whole point is like to these people. And this kind of, it goes back to some of the stuff we talked about with like, mockery or, like, the clowning aspect of it. Like, you know, that's part of masking. That's part of all this stuff. Like, that's, funny, yep. you know, the Mardi Gras sort of spirit, like, and things like that. You know, like, uh, I mean, a psycho, even ta- like, to them, it is a joke, you know? It is funny yeah. to be like, ha, 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 like, I'm fucking, you know, like, uh, the evil it laughter. kind of impish, you know? You know? Yeah, 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 ex- yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they do, uh,
2: I'm, I'm just quoting here a little bit from their debut album in 19- 1995, Mystic Styles, uh, where... Lord Infamous says mystic styles, of the ancient mutilations, torture chambers filled with corpses in my basement, feel the wrath of the fucking devil nation, three, six mafia creation of Satan. Yes. And that leads into a verse where gangsta boo calls herself, quote, the devil's daughter and describes stalking the streets of Memphis in a Jason mask. So, you know, yes. yeah, they're really like enthusiastically kind of embracing this Definitely. sort of Especially really in that gruesome. Sign.
4: Yeah. Uh, right. I remember like, uh, the moon is full and all I see is 66 in the sky. Yeah. They think they talk about like smoking a blunt, like that's a demonic blunt or something like that. Uh-huh. Like, um, I forget. Oh yes. Uh, roll up your tombstone, smoke a blunt of death. That's ju- what juicy J says. <laughs> uh, sometimes you just got to smoke a blunt of death. Yeah. That's another, yeah. like, after this stuff is just like, I mean, it's common, but like, there's a lot of like, you know, uh like extreme like drug use like and just weed is like ubiquitous like they're always stoned which is you know interesting like you know uh in terms of like the trance aspect like the entheogenic sort of properties of weed Mm -hmm. like you know it's uh, it's almost it's not quite you
2: know on the level of lsd rap though i think later gcj would definitely probably rap about like eating shrooms and taking acid uh and i feel like that that trickled into kind of like gangster rap, uh, after a while, but it is kind of a, a, a premonition of flirt. I mean, lots of rap was about smoking weed, but they were kind of about like getting really, really high and, and yeah, like almost entering a trance state. Um, or I guess you could say like a dissociative state, um, which would also make sense that I, I think a lot of this music does sound kind of like dissociated from like ubiquitous trauma,
4: yeah, there's this like... one uh, song on HOH, uh, which I guess is Hall of Hell is what it stands for, uh, mm-hmm. Living in a Casket, uh, that just like has this... like incessant chorus that's just like smoking 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 weed getting high like i only listened to it (laughs) once but like it was so common that like i that's i can remember it exactly it's quite like hard to like you know uh, as someone who like has smoked a lot of weed in his life and now it's like trying to smoke no weed it's uh you know like very hard to like listen to like any of this music and not be like damn like you know uh fiending like for or the you know the or nostalgic for 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 weed and in, in that way so of yeah, course I mean like this is, this type of stuff is, is yeah. the
2: soundtrack and so it is kind of you know yeah. the best music to listen to uh, when you mm. smoke I mean it, it it's yeah. just like how you know psychedelic rock is like. I mean, you, you could disagree, but like, you know, it seems, you know, it's tailor made for that type of experience or how, you know, certain types of electronic music go well with MDMA and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, disco is great with uh, cocaine, um, you know, Like the the drugs that are fueling the creation of the music. Uh, often it does create that, that strange kind of uh relationship of enhancement and yeah, kind sure. of works like it, it's almost a little like magic in a way. Um, exactly. Yeah, or, like, you know, that, if you just want to drink yeah. a lot of beer and, like, listen to the Dropkick Murphys, uh, that works, too, you know? Um,
4: yeah, I guess, yeah, like, well, yeah, you no, know, I like, feel like, but I feel like, yeah, there is, like, a ritualistic aspect to it, like a, uh, you know, an aspect, yeah, like... Uh, like, consciousness and, yeah.
2: uh, a modification, even in, like, yeah. a subtle way. And it plays,
4: I mean, like, a huge, yeah, it plays, a, it's a, a very prominent place. Hopefully, you know, like, maybe uh, people will listen to to some of the albums uh and you can i'll definitely put you, a
2: actually, lot of these yeah, in I'll, I'll probably put more interviews yeah. than normal in this episode so you yeah. can get well, a yeah well fair bit enough a, a yeah
4: exactly you should definitely do so but yeah. uh yeah
1: so what side suicidal so schizophrenic in the evil ways my mind is like a puzzle in the in the days Bosses, please you feel me, it's the tense. make me have them both, Roster, scream up in my mind, telling me the devil fall, to another chapter, I ain't no gangster but a wicked crook, late at night, don't skip the dreams and have a nigga's boot, but you niggas still won't understand, in the mind of a crazy man, I ain't hit no bump, but it's going be heavy days, in the damn trend. on the missing reason hope. that the devil won't take my soul, and I'm flowing constantly, Making wanna be ice cold, but I try to stay with cause hearing what some saying songs. Scratch his soul and leave him dry, leave him dead with the fly. God, please excuse me, why I'm cursed by these busters. Sins made a nigga kill, now I got to suffer.
4: actually interestingly enough about mystic Uh, styles which is yeah definitely you know it's a good album in general and it's a good song on that album that definitely highlights the sort of uh, satanic themes of the early uh three six mafia stuff but uh one of the guys in that group uh uh play a fly um he actually speaking of kind of the mention of shaitan and jinns i guess he was actually raised by a muslim father and his real name is uh ibn young like uh you know his first name is ibn Uh, and I guess eventually he broke with, uh, you know, three, six mafia and he ended up writing like a diss song of them called like triple bitch mafia. Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, I guess he moved more towards like kind of conscious rap and like trying to get, uh, close to God, I guess. Similar to, uh, one guy who I guess was in, in HOH, the, the previously mentioned band hall of hell. Uh, that's like, you know, uh, often pointed to as being interestingly like three, six mafia itself, even though they're like the archetypal and most famous Memphis horrorcore artists, they're not people who are pointed to as like having one being one of the tapes that might have these sigils on them or actually yeah. depicting real murders. Like, in fact, like in that song, triple bitch mafia, play a fly kind of calls them out for like talking up a lot like what they do you know uh even though i'm sure there is like truth to some of it i'm sure they did do a lot of cocaine and smoke a lot of weed but uh there is one memorable verse where he says that uh you know like he achieved like a mega blunt with juicy J and juicy J almost died or something like wow so you wow. know just trying to um, say he doesn't smoke as much weed as he claims but um yeah like <laughs> uh, uh, they, w- on HOH, uh, one of the guys from HOH who's living in a casket is sometimes thought of as being one of these sigils or, or murder tapes. Uh, one of the members, Kevin Whitaker, I guess eventually became a pastor and now mm. uh, now is one. Uh, he was like a witness in some kind of murder case. Um, I'll link it uh, in the workflow for the Alwara people. Um, but Yeah. yeah he, uh, and that identified him as a member of HOH. It's very hard to like associate any Individual with these bands, like you know, but it just happened to come out in this, uh, you know, in this sort of affidavit, I guess. Uh, yeah, he mentions yeah, that he was an HOH, yeah.
2: I just want to point out because I see here on a Fader interview from years back where they interviewed Play a Fly and he said Memphis is a dark city. There's always been a dark cloud over the city. They killed the symbol for peace here. I, I love that he nonchalantly says, you know, they killed the symbol for peace because uh, it wasn't just one guy. Um, yes. And it almost sounds like I wonder if there's like a King Kill 33, like nine eleven, is mass ritual take on like killing, you know, bringing him to like the Mason church and then like killing him at the Lorraine Motel the next day and some kind of weird uh, thing like that. But
4: yeah. Um, that was an interesting interview because yeah, like, uh, you highlighted this, which I also, also jumped out at me from that interview where, uh, the interviewer asked him like, are you a Satanist? And he says, I get that from time to time. When people ask me if I'm into Satan, I usually hold them down and carve an upside down five point star into their chest. Uh, silence,
2: nervous laughter. (laughs)
4: Uh, Yeah. Nah, I usually just laugh it off because we're far from that. I mean, Juicy's daddy is a preacher for crying out loud. We grew up in the church. But don't most Satanists grow up in the church? Nah, I'm not into Satan. Matter of fact, I'm finna over, pray over this beverage right here if you don't mind. So I guess he More silence. Give
2: me your hand. I want you to feel the power. And then they pray over the beverage. Yeah.
4: Uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, that was kind of a weird answer. It, it is a weird. I <laughs> like, mean, not like, the best says, answer, like, response. Like, Juicy's uh,
2: daddy is a is a preacher for crying out loud. And, of course, like, Project Pat is Juicy J's brother. So also, like, an intermittent member of 3-6 Mafia. Um, and he said, we grew up in the church. But don't most Satanists grow up in the church? Nah, I'm not into Satan. It kind of sounds like he just throws yeah. out a little thing there like, don't most Satanists grow up in the church? Um, which is kind of what uh, Koopsta Nicka said when he said, you know, I grew up in the church and saw this, like, white Jesus and, and didn't think God yeah, was, Yeah, exactly. You know, he was you know. the
4: most into Satanist and, to, like, I think into He Satanism. says, like, so I yeah. thought,
2: like, fuck God, like, you know, and and went off and wanted to find the uh, the opposite of that.
4: Yes. Uh, there was some similar content uh, or some similar, like, remark that I almost want to— uh, say it was Juicy J who said it, which was kind of like, uh, it was It was something like, I'm not sure who said it. I, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, blame Juicy J if it, if it wasn't him, uh, but maybe it was. I think he said something that was like, you know, they asked him a similar question, like, let me see, it's in this article about uh, Mystic Styles uh, when it turned, it was like a sort of 25th anniversary write-up and someone gave this quote which I think was... Yeah, it was Juicy in 2010. Juicy cleared it up for good. We do not worship no devil, man. People ask me that shit every day. There's no way you could have had our success worshiping the devil. So that's like an interesting Um, comment to me because it's like, yeah, like for one, like he's sort of saying like, yeah, like we couldn't have had our success. Like that's not really... I mean, not to nitpick one's response, but like to me... That wouldn't be my go-to answer, you know? It would be, like, I do not worship the devil like, I believe in, like, goodness or whatever, you know? I wouldn't be like, oh, yeah. it would have gotten in the way of my career. That just, like, you know, like, for one, like, would it have? Like, probably not. Like, maybe it would have, yeah, like, the, the success that he later had might not have been the same if, like, you know, his music stayed thematically rooted in... Satanism but like to say like oh the reason why we don't is because then we couldn't have had our success it's like uh yeah. it, like, it doesn't right, quite that's make a soft sense answer. that's a yeah, sus yeah. answer um, I mean yeah. just, to,
2: just to chip away a little more at their like denial that they have anything to do and this has an interesting tie in with uh, what we talked about earlier uh, this is from that AB Club article it says it's difficult to pinpoint which member of 3-6 Mafia was the ringleader on this quote devil shit as it's sometimes called but Lord Infamous who was obsessed with serial killers in the occult long before he joined Juicy J and Dr. Paul for the first incarnation of triple six mafia is a likely candidate. Take the serial killers portrait of a serial killer, the underground tape released by infamous and DJ Paul in. I love like those redundant
4: album titles that are like, you know, (laughs) yeah.
2: And this is on the title track to the serial killers portrait of a serial killer, which I guess is called the serial killers portrait of a serial killer. I don't know. Um, (laughs) um, So, like on that album, uh, whose title song in 1992 is when it was released. Keep that in mind. Uh, whose title song is about infamous's homicidal alter ego, the scarecrow. Quote, Uh-oh. little kids go in and play and get lost. Six days rotten with their heads popped off. He raps in his signature triplet, Flow. Um, and so, uh, interesting that he was obsessed with like serial killers and then, um, You know, uh, is rapping about like the ritualistic murder of children in 1992, one year before the West Memphis 3 murders. Um, I'm not saying that (laughs) that Lord Infamous actually did the West Memphis 3 murder. That is not what I'm implying, but I think it's like, it's just, it's kind of fascinating um, that I guess uh, he was so, uh, well, I mean, it just says right there that like he was fascinated with serial killers and the occult even before he teamed up with Juicy J and DJ Paul. And, of course, if, you know, Lord Infamous is DJ Paul's brother, then, like, uh, they must have been aware of that to some point. They were rapping with him. And um, I guess it goes on to say here, like many of all these projects like children of the corn, Tommy Wright, the third Al Capone are just a few of the local acts who embraced horror aesthetics freely exchanging or stealing, depending on who you ask beats, hooks and lyrical themes among themselves in relative isolation. Many of these projects were connected to three, six mafia in one way or another. And all of them use Satan and the devil as metaphors for depression, anxiety, and the stress of life in the city. As Memphis producer and rapper Lil Grimm said in 20, 2017. quote, we were just talking about the inside struggle. We were trying to figure out what life was about. We didn't even know what we were doing. We were making music for the hood and trying to heal ourselves. In the song Devil Shit, Grimm's internal struggle is conveyed through a slowed-down Isley Brothers sample overlaid with haunted house sound effects, along with lyrics like... Uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, so it's a good song, actually. Um, Along with lyrics like, get this, brought up in a church, but full of hell is where my mind is at. Yes. So all these guys – I mean, you know, I, mean, I think it's maybe uh, at least thematically not mutually exclusive that you could be brought up in the church but then find yourself in hell, um, which, which I think is a potent metaphor maybe for the life experience of these young people, you know, that were, yeah. you know, I mean, writing about v- – the environment they were around at that time
4: right that's the thing like you know it is in a way like an outlet for rebellion and like you know it's important to clarify like you know there's i mean we are also like satanic panicky over the like you know rock and roll like heavy metal equivalent of this stuff which like uh, you know so it's like uh it's not like you know a unique uh phenomenon like necessarily uh just because like you know because where, at, like, you know, in the normal sense where, like, if you're sort of suspicious over, like, this stuff, like, it can lead to, like, ignorance or bigotry or whatever. But there is, like, mm-hmm. you know, also, of course, a racial component or a, yeah, like, a sociological component. So, like, you don't uh want to, uh like, single out this type of, like, music or expression uh from the larger, like, uh trend of devil worship, like, in culture. Except, you know, insofar as it's certainly not like for indictment uh yeah yeah so exactly uh, i mean uh, yeah, i'm, I'm like, just
2: more kind of fascinated in kind of like how these memes like worked their way into the imagination of these young people who you know yeah. were just creating music in a very kind of relatively isolated scene and in a way i have a lot i in a lot of ways i'm, I'm kind of like not as sussed out As much by these young kids in Memphis in the 90s, given the environment they were growing up in, uh, kind of using Satanism as kind of a thematic template and a metaphor, than I am about probably a bunch of like really, like relatively well off like white Norwegian kids in the 1980s that were just like, what if we decided to like kill everything and like be (laughs) Nazis? Yeah. (laughs) It's kind of like. Well, the
4: Nazi aspect is another thing, like with black metal, where like there's just straight up like Nazism. Yeah that's like a whole, yeah, whole other like, yeah and it's like that. you know yeah. their
2: torment is that they're, they're they're like not living in the reich that they're like you know grandfathers fought for or something like that like you know it's like harder to kind of like i don't know and, and their embrace of it seems to be much more like um ra- instead of whereas like maybe a lot of memphis raps is like more kind of descriptive of like the state of mind that they are caught in and it's a way of like kind of allegorizing their inner psychological experience and like you know having to confront trauma and chaos and anxiety and depression and hopelessness and all these things and, and like seeing violence around you with these other kids it's kind of just like a like a fetish like a dark fixation on like having power and like um yeah, destroying burning that, everything down like and I think uh, that
4: on a certain level like you know coops and Nika said something equivalent you know in in saying like i'm gonna make triple six like you know acceptable or comfortable for black people you know he's kind of recognizing in his thought process that like it was in some way like preceded by like the popularity of 666 in like you know the heavy metal and stuff like that this was something that was in some way picked up from like the culture i mean like this was during like or at least in kind of the aftermath of the satanic panic so mm-hmm. like in a way like that feeds like playing into it as like a sort of defiance so yeah, and like
2: even they, like the, the I imagine that maybe the the parts of like Memphis and West Memphis that were kind of most fixated on the West Memphis three murders in ninety three and were most freaked out were probably like religious white people, I would yeah. imagine. Like that 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 was where, you know, and I'm sure they were all over the news and you know, they're obviously the prosecutors and the police and everybody else, and they're kind of spooked out by so in a way I can almost see but, a yeah. kind of um and, and uh, kind of tapping into just like how gangster app taps into the fear of like, Ooh, I'm a crazy black gang member. I'm going to come yeah. rob you and like, le- and kind of embrace it and like lean into it as like a character, um, a- as a way to maybe kind of like, uh, you know, stake out like your own like autonomy or something like that, or your yeah. opposition to, uh, to these like negative forces in your world, you know, definitely there's be, an like, the aspect police and,
4: Yeah, definitely there's an aspect of that, although I think that there is also, like, rebellion against, like, uh, authority structures, like, within the black community as well, which does tend to be, like, kind of conservative and religious also. I mean, yeah, like, most most symbolized by the church, yeah. Yeah, I think that, generally speaking, yeah, and, like, of course— There's the critique that, and, like, this is something that is parallel, I think, like, in hotepism, by the Nation of Islam, like, all sorts of, like, you know, uh, new religious or, like, esoteric trends, like, within, uh, you know, uh, black, uh, the the American black community. I think that, like, you know, or within uh, black-centered, like, religious movements, the idea that, like, you know, being Christian is somehow, like, submissive to to white people or like, you know, maybe on even in a Christian side wanting to sort of reclaim that, uh, you know, from, uh, sort of the, the white, uh, image of it or the white sort of structures of control. But I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that Coops and Nicka's observation, uh, there's some truth to it and that it like, you know, I think that black people generally speaking maybe are less comfortable with like satanic stuff. Like, you know, I think that the whole thing that you mentioned of like, the oh, that's just satanic panic. That's like more popular among like, you know, urbane whites in a way. <laughs> like 100%, you know, like hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I think and, like uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, like. And I think just thing.
2: anecdotally, that's something that I've noticed. Um, that I think we'll we'll talk about in a second is kind of the prevalence of hip hop artists and rappers. You know, particularly speaking about the music industry being in some way or another controlled by either Satanists or some kind of Illuminati or some kind of secret society of like ultra wealthy, powerful people, and uh some of the rappers, most prominently Kupstanica, um rather explicitly subscribe to this kind of theory, but in going just through a cursory YouTube search, it seems that everybody from Nick Cannon to Fat Joe and all of these other rappers have and, and you know, even g- going a little bit further afield to people like maybe Prince, um, who famously once talked about Chemtrails in a TV <laughs> interview, um, there there really is kind of a um, I'm not going to say susceptibility because I don't think it's like ooh, they're getting like disinfected. Formed or whatever, I think it's maybe a heightened sensitivity to uh, sensing that there are maybe, you know, darker, kind of concealed, occulted networks of power that kind of decide what really goes on. In these things like the entertainment industry And that the kind of illusion Of artists being rich And famous and being Totally autonomous and things like that Is kind of like this illusion And what they all talk about There's so many examples of them talking about Like you know uh, instances where they Were you know asked to like sell their Souls or something like that Or do something compromising In order to get favor And get really like the big bump In the industry and stuff like that
0: Hail has a real. that you do Better pray, cherish your last breath. I thought you knew that you were face to face with fucking death. I pack a rock, not a knife. And when I retaliate, it's made up for your life. One, two, three, four niggas got popped out of low. I guess them folk didn't know about the crucifixion. And all the fucking bodies being found. Demon screaming in my head low down. Would it stop? Would it come to a cease? For once in my life, I won't. Peace. I know I'm sick, but here's something a little sicker. Raise up off me.
2: Want to go into the remainder of what Koopsta Nika says in his well, yeah. New World Order documentary? Well, I
4: kind of wanted to say that I think, you know, in a way, kind of relative to what we were talking uh, before the break, I almost find the sort of more successful members of 3 Six Mafia, even though. Yeah, you know, it, it works, like, as more of, like, a horror movie premise. Like, the idea of these, like, sort of more obscure tapes that have, like, kind of a, uh, you know, uh, maniacs, like, you know, mysterious identity. Like, who is this person? Where does this tape come from? Like, in terms of Children of the Corn, you know, thinking of them as, like, young kids who are doing this to kind of be provocative. Like, their story is kind of out there it for a certain amount of time. Even though their album or their, you know, Memphis tape which is associated with these sigils, you know, their Memphis sigil tape, Uh, even though it definitely has, like, sort of the most sinister feel, I almost feel like that, to me, it it seems a bit more innocuous in terms of its story than, like, maybe it's just part of uh, people who are more successful, like, maybe naturally seem more sus, people who have more power or cachet naturally seem more sus, but it is kind of curious that, you know, the people, like, who will distance themselves more, like we talked about Juicy J, you know, or DJ Paul to an extent, like the people who distance themselves from the sort of satanic themes or from the, the horror core, uh, past of, of three, mafia are the ones who are less successful, like Lord infamous, as you mentioned, who is sort of the driving force behind that. Not only is he, uh, not with us anymore, but the mm-hmm. group kind of dropped him and that sort of helped their rise in a way. And Koopsten who sort of identified himself as being, you know, another major proponent of the the devil shit. Mm -hmm. You know, he also kind of drifted away and in his documentary, he kind of complained about his lack of success Mm -hmm. Uh, and he even sort of attributed it to sort of this common uh, conspiracy topos you'll see uh, come up a lot in terms of kind of these industry related conspiracy theories. What he sort of suggests, and I think, in a way, the whoever the interviewer was, I mean, I think that it was kind of Kufsa's own production, so, you know, uh, not to put too much on, on the interviewer uh, as an influence here, but it did seem like he was kind of being led to this point, but he kind of suggested that he passed up on an initiation that involved basically having sex with a guy... <laughs> Uh, which, you know, he very strongly said, uh, as he would expect, you know, he would never do, uh, you know, uh-huh. just not, like, off the table, like, no way, like, nothing's worth it, you know, so... Um but after that, he said his career kind of went, uh, I think, in his words, like, do 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 or whatever. you know? Yeah, with a thumbs-down
2: uh, sign, just do-do-do-do-do-do-do yeah. down. He yeah. said that, you know, people who had been complimenting him and kind of talking him up a lot and saying, you know, you're the hottest new rapper and everything, basically, he, he said he couldn't even get a feature on a bigger artist's song after that. And uh, then eventually... I think what happened in the mid 90s was like Bone Thugs and Harmony came out and they were from Cleveland so not super far away but they adopted a lot while they weren't horrorcore they adopted a, particularly a lot of like the triplet rhyming style of horrorcore rappers like mm. Coops the Nica and Lord Infamous and Triple and Six Mafia. And they rode that to basically a, a pretty good run of, of like hit singles and a lot of record sales. They were all over the radio. And I guess, um, you know, he, 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 wanted to, like, provide a corrective in the documentary that, like, he didn't hate, like, uh, Bone Dugs and Harmony, but he was a little pissed that basically they were taking his sound and then, like, nobody was attributing it to him for like creating it and you know he was getting basically like nothing you know as a result like nobody was you know putting him on as a feature artist like you know there's nobody coming to give him a record deal it's just like they sort of just jacked his style and like didn't attribute it to him and uh and so he was a little like mad about that but i guess there wasn't very much he could do about it because you know um yeah
4: yeah but it's These other people went
2: off and became famous and he didn't.
4: Yeah. And it's interesting how he will talk more openly about, you know, how he was into the devil or whatever. Whereas juicy J will be like, no, like we're not into Satan. Like how could we be successful if we were into Satan, you know, but obviously he sort of portrays it as being that there was like some kind of initiation or whatever you know that's his take on it you know who and and that is something
2: I've definitely just in like bouncing around the internet over the years you, you find a lot of these like YouTube videos from like radio shows and stuff you know sometimes on like Sway in the morning or like the Breakfast Club or other like Vlad TV where you have like a surprising amount of rapper well one talking about how there's kind of like devil worship things going on within the music industry but also even that story of being kind of propositioned by some kind of record industry big shot to do some like quote gay shit Um, it's a trope yeah yeah it's it's like i've heard it i've heard almost this exact same story from other rappers i want i couldn't find the video anymore but i feel like there there was another horror core group called the grave diggers from the 90s that had i think they were from new york don't hold me to that but they came out i think in 1993 and or around then and i feel like i saw one of them on YouTube years ago, kind of explaining like a very similar thing and how they like turned down, you know, some executive who was kind of like propositioning them. And then they got kind of like, you know, trash canned after that wow. and like didn't it's interesting go
4: on that Rizza was in. The grave diggers.
2: Was he? That's crazy. I, I might, yeah, it's possible that I am that I'm like mixing up my. No, he. Uh, w-
4: it is from New York City. <clears throat> uh, okay. But uh, Riza was in it, um, which is interesting. Uh, uh, the same one of Wu Tang Clan. Um, mm, okay okay yeah. that is yeah.
2: interesting um, um, I, I wonder why I can't find anything remotely about like the the videos about the grave diggers like talking about like the Illuminati and stuff like that I mean the Illuminati obviously comes up a lot as a kind of shorthand for whatever this uh you know this sort of power network is that like actually runs the music industry and i think Mm -hmm. in a way i mean it has a lot of like metaphor much like horrorcore itself it has a lot of metaphorical resonance that basically no matter what kind of vision of like freedom and wealth and power that becoming a famous rapper gives you there's still like a nefarious cabal of like old white men that are, are some kind of like cabal of super powerful people that secretly run the game and they're kind of like pathologically obsessed with controlling you. Like they don't actually want you to be free, either financially yeah. or creatively. And, you, you know, there's these uh, these kind of subtle offers. I mean, I think the way Koopsten Nika describes it is he was in New York and I whatever the other story was, it also happened in New York. But he said something uh, along the lines of, you know, it kind of happened all casual-like. Like, like somebody kind of... I think he was maybe he uh some record executive invited him back to like his went back to his hotel room with him or something and then you know they were like drinking or smoking and like this was sort of thrown out as like maybe a kind of joke but like also his sense of it was that the guy was kind of like fishing around and like testing his reaction to see if he would be kind of into that sort of thing and he was not into it and kind of you know shut it down but he it's like he can't quite put it it's not like they said you have to do this and you'll get a record deal and if you don't you won't but it's like it was a little more liminal than that and but he got he got this like vibe that basically this was kind of a thing that uh, if he said yes to it or he showed you were kind of down um that you know that would be probably good for your career
4: Hmm. yeah he definitely got the sense at least that there was some kind of initiation, like uh and that, you know, obviously like there's uh, you know, some like homophobia at play in the in the language in which this is discussed, but you know, he was basically saying that there are people who do gay things, but they ain't gay, uh, and it's to be part of a brotherhood. Yeah. You know, um yeah. yeah. So like uh yeah, that's was his read on it that Basically, you know, he said it in those very clear terms that this was, like, an initiation um, into some kind of brotherhood. Um, exactly, you know? exactly. And,
2: and I looked up another interview uh, from Vlad TV with Fat Joe from, like, eight years ago where a similar topic came up. Not something that he himself had to deal with, but... I think there was a controversy about a rapper being outed, and they were kind of asking, like, well, they were saying other rappers were asked, like, would you ever, you know, feature on a song with a openly gay rapper, you know, with a gay rapper, and and somebody said, well, like, I probably already have, and, like, Fat Joe is agreeing with that and saying, I probably have, too, and, like, I don't really, like, I don't care, like... He's like, why are people hiding it in, like, 2011? Like, if you're gay, you're gay. It's cool, you know? So he was trying to kind of, like, push back a little maybe against some, like, you know, make it clear he wasn't trying to be homophobic. But then he went on to say that he personally believed that there was a gay mafia running the hip-hop industry, which Mm -hmm. is, like, I mean, (laughs) you know, at the risk of sounding problematic, I mean... I think what he, what he he was alluding to a similar kind of thing. It sounded like where mm-hmm. he was like, well, you know, he's like, no, I'm not talking about the rappers. I'm talking about like the record executives and the people I that mean, run the magazines. Yeah. And we're just reporting
4: is, a widespread belief that's widely yeah. espoused. You yeah. Know,
2: that, uh, not, not passing yeah. judgment either way. Yeah. Um, or I, you know, I can't necessarily say I have the evidence, nor do we have. And evidence that there's a a satanic. Simply reporting a
4: widespread belief uh, that's widely espoused. uh, Yes.
6: Nice, I cruise in my Chevrolet Scoping out the houses where those stay Who don't pay the fin signs to triple six Twice they never make a house call bitch Murder is all on my mind So I grip my plastic now I'm supposed to only go Where my soul send me Some shit I'm addicted to My ass pain push the devil in me Don't try to authentic Six to the third power see Then find your head for selling a motherfucking vending machine we point, don't run It's kinda hard to duck When I start to fuck, fuck look, fuck, what's up with this fuck-ass niggas
0: I get you slipping, I get the kickin' And then me pullbacks, me fuckin' trigger Have you get figured what for? My come to destroy
6: you I'm the DJ, and fool, I enjoyed you But now it's time to cut the shit You've been tricked Now witness, witness, witness My crucifix
1: Inside, inside, inside that Can't hypnotize, hypnotize.
2: And I mean, uh, maybe we should should we talk about maybe like in the last few years, though, there have been. Uh, yeah, I was going to
4: say, it's it's interesting, like that Juicy J would say we would never be successful because it's almost, you know, now a thing like that. It's increasingly popular to be sort of satanic in some way like absolutely
2: it, it's yeah, become yeah. an aesthetic um, yeah. that is kind of celebrated and you know not without controversy obviously um but I, I think now that just over the last few years, and, and, I mean, I've noticed this, and, of course, anybody that goes and uh, ever checks out, like, Vigilant Citizen, um, yeah. favorite favorite blog of the pod, um, that, you know, they do cover these kind of rap videos from time to time. And, like, I have noticed that, um, you know, things have gotten more explicitly dark and, and not just in a you know, we're growing up in a place where there are gangs and there's violence or there's drug dealing, but Almost like, less of that,
4: yeah, like there's actually less emphasis because I feel like a lot of the newer artists maybe have actually like sort of different backgrounds or like that's something less of an emphasis. Um, there's yeah. still some stuff like I need shooters, you know, there's haters, etc. Like I'll cap you. Uh uh so-and-so but like it's definitely you know it's not like it's gangster rap in the same way that the horrorcore music uh of that era in memphis is in in some way very much still kind of the same sort of like criminal uh you know spree vibe of like you know gangster rap it's it's different yeah Um, but and i I think that would also
2: like that tracks with the sort of the the, you know, despite all the talk, you know, in the news about, you know, crime kind of going back up again, and it did go up a little bit again this year, we have seen basically since the early 90s, like a kind of uh, secular decline in no pun intended, uh, secular decline in murder rates and like violent crime rates for a variety of reasons. And um, uh, basically, it was not you know uh while there is still a lot of crime there's obviously a lot of poverty a lot of police brutality there's still drug dealing and the kind of i mean even the popularity of trap has kind of given a new lease in life to like rapping about that trap life which is you mm-hmm. know uh, for anybody who doesn't know that refers to drug dealing to any of our non-hip-hop head listeners uh, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah um you know like be it's like music you play like when you're at the trap house like you know uh mm-hmm. and and so those Things are still kind of there, but it's not as um it's not quite as like front and center, and also that tracks with the mainstreaming of hip-hop and rap, like all different kind of flavors of it, and it's kind of intermeshing with like pop music in general and you know, I mean, it's just like it's a dominant, like huge big tent genre of music now. So, but, but it's interesting as it gets more integrated. And I think it's kind of in contrast to the Memphis horrorcore scene, which, like, you know, say whatever you want about like the, the imagery and the themes was a very, it was kind of a localized. Kind of DIY, like a small scene. It's not like the record labels like moved into Memphis and like told people to like rap about being satanic or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Like it was more organic, um, you know. Uh, But nowadays you have, you know, I mean, you have this whole like in like this whole you know hip hop industrial complex that is elevating rappers, and so they might start out on SoundCloud or on YouTube or dropping mixtapes online, but then you know you have to. when one of them gets lifted up to become like a big time star and it feels like every year there's like a new, you know, 18 year old rapper that gets and these people are getting record deals. They are being kind of managed by, like, music industry people. <clears throat> they're going on big tours. They're, like, on Spotify. So they're not, like, marginal. In fact, they're being mainstream. And a lot of these young rappers, it just, like, it happens again and again. They're rocking, like, pretty satanic esthetics
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Right? And, right. I mean, a few of those that we can... Obviously, Tentacion, who... Uh, who I, I mean i i found was like an interesting rapper back when i i don't know discovered him back in like you know 2016 or 2017 whenever that was and then of course was was gunned down in like an attempted robbery um i i want to say what in 2018 maybe um yeah, and um was and really there that all long
4: ago maybe uh, or so was it 2019 i mean it might have been i really uh yeah, it seems. Yeah, it seems so. Uh, it
2: it feels like forever ago, but I guess he got. Uh, yeah, in, uh, 2018.
4: Yeah, 2018.
2: Uh, he got into a thing with uh with one of his like frequent friends and collaborators, who I think was like Ski Mask the Slump God, who I think you might have mentioned earlier, uh, had to like break off his friendship with. Yeah, there was some because... weird
4: situation where he seemed to suggest that uh Triple was going to kill him like or sacrifice him sacrifice uh, him yeah those exact words and of uh, course he
2: had an upside down cross tattooed on his forehead
4: cool Neat.
2: and in like a kind of like charles manson-y kind of way and mm-hmm. um and definitely had again it was kind of like it was almost like for the kind of zoomer or like young millennial internet age it was somebody who was it, it seemed on some level was trying to sort of you know capture or you know express like their depression their anxiety their loneliness their alienation etc um and like you know uh all of that psychological stuff and kind of um you know transmuting it through rapping about like being haunted by demons and
4: right it's a very different affect in a way. Like, I mean, we were just like during the break, like discussing some of the stuff we were listening to a uh, saw baby. It's a yeah. very different affect from like children of the corn or maniac. Like, you know, you don't really want to be like in the world of a psycho. Like, you like, you know, there yeah. is like some kind of like libidinal feeling to like, you know, this fantasy and like, it can help you like experience some kind of catharsis, maybe like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people, do love stories of killers and like you know and things like that, but it's very different from just being like, you know, life's a party but like also like I'm a Satanist, like six, six, six. Like it's it's yeah. weird and different. And that's why I I see, even
2: even Extentacion feels like somebody who I don't know, like, you know, maybe he got sacrificed. Uh, Not saying he was, but like, but almost like, I felt like he was at the very least, I mean, he was a complicated person and had some pretty bad, like, you know, domestic violence, like, charges leveled at him and things like that. And I don't mean to, like, you know, litigate all that, but um, I I do feel like he was a very creative and kind of independent-minded and all over the place kind of artist who you know um, I think um, he wasn't just trying to make like trendy like ethereal like mumble trap that would hit like a huge audience he was very kind of like an out there kind of dude. But now I think like the rappers that have kind of like that might at a distance look similar to him or like in his lane, but have gotten like way, way bigger and haven't been gunned down in the streets and killed. Um those people are kind of like what you said, like, oh I'm so cool and also I'm a Satanist. Like it's that kind of vibe of like they're yeah. not it doesn't feel like they're necessarily like their their music is trying to express a kind of real like uh, struggle or anything like that. It's like it. It just sounds kind of like what's cool, quote unquote, right now. And uh, and I think Saw Baby is definitely one of these one of these uh, guys who I mean his the aesthetics of his videos are like very artsy like very well shot um but I don't find the music to be maybe I just haven't listened to enough of him uh we noticed he does have a a music video song called trapezoid which is just kind of uh, interesting and um
4: yeah it's very uh yeah uh in the song it seems like trapezoid refers to like a woman with like a large uh butt you know like uh, okay, uh you know because okay. like but but still you know like uh the well, also, title like, as long as stylizes travis like, with an upside down cross i mean like ultimately i don't care about crosses like you know uh in the end of days like when Issa comes, he's gonna break all the crosses you know uh but i mean <laughs> it shows like your allegiance to uh satanism i mean there's like a lot of funny uh, stuff. Yeah, I just wanted to mention relative to, uh, you know, the sort of uh, these tragic deaths uh, at a very young age uh, juice world, you know, someone mm-hmm. who I think is talented, but like, you know, it's definitely a different aesthetic. You know, he does talk about drugs, you know, but it's like very, you know, it's not like that. Uh, brutal, desperate existence of like this guy is going out in a ski mask to like break and enter and like or like murder people. You know, it's like yeah, I'm sad. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm doing a lot of oxycodone, but like there's also the stuff of like nine 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 or whatever, which I guess is supposed to be like oh it's positivity because it's was like nine 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 guy. Yeah, well, his first album I think or like one of his early big ones was called Juice World Nine Nine Nine, and uh, you know he also made a uh, very controversial i guess snapchat or instagram post i think instagram mm-hmm. probably was snapchat i'm like a million years old but um <laughs> you know he it, that was like oh I'm a, like you know has a picture of some kind of weird like ritual like you know or like candle assembly like on a beach or something and he was like i'm signing sell- selling my soul now to the illuminati um you oh, know, yeah, and- that
2: honestly, I mean I feel like some of some of these some of these rappers out here are a lot like certain dirtbag online leftists where they're like, LOL, I'm Illuminati.
4: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that was I mean, why people so like Jay Z and doing.
2: Beyonce yeah. are basically do that all the time where they're like, I'm Illuminati. Like you know, they yeah. like lean into it now. That I mean Madonna did a whole song called Illuminati that like we got the whole club bumping like Illuminati or something like that. Yeah. Um Um, and they you know I think it it is like fat I mean that that trend that I think we mentioned many episodes back about people like kind of like, a like, it's gone from being a thing that, you know, uh, conspiracy-prone people might look at on, like, Vigilant Citizen and be like, why are they using so many butterflies? Or, like, why is it a <laughs> checkerboard floor? Like, why are... These things seem kind of, like, you know, creepy and mind controll But now it's kind of like these rappers, it's like they're aware of that from one, one way or another. And they are leaning into it as a way to, like, package themselves as, like, elite, like, the best. Yeah. You know, number one.
4: Well- Yeah, and I mean, I feel like Vigilant Citizen, I mean, I'm not passing, like, you know, I'm not making any assumptions, but I think that Vigilant Citizen is white. Uh, But I do, I think definitely the first, the first person who told me about the Illuminati was definitely uh, someone who we mutually knew, like, uh, in in college, like the uh, Mm -hmm. the one black woman in our program uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who uh, first told me about, like, the, and I feel like that is something that's, you know, popular, like, in, I mean, of course, we have, like, a, you know uh, the mind control black assassins guy. You know there's also like oh, a very yeah, rich yeah.
2: Prince Ray. Uh, yeah.
4: Conspiracy culture, yeah, yeah. Prince I Ray. I learned a
2: I uh, learned a lot of this kind of stuff like from him. This kind of like you know this devil yeah. worship in like rap and, um, yeah, yeah. That I mean, because you know, I mean, a lot of it is kind of like thrown in your face as an aesthetic. Yeah, so it's kind of like
4: uh, there was that very annoying interview that you uh sent me with that guy um. What was his name? Like, uh, I I forget what the name of the guy was because I never heard of him before. I hope that that's not going to make me uh, appear ignorant of someone who's uh, significant. But it was by the same guy about this sort of secret. Oh, yeah. um, (laughs) Gunplay. Yeah, gunplay. Uh, I don't, I, I, yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I don't
2: know about gunplay either, but he so, yeah um, yeah. What, what's the yeah. deal with um?
4: Well, it was it was just interesting how in this interview, this interviewer where it was the same guy who interviewed DJ Paul and who like randomly mentioned uh, his interview about the secret government uh, in like uh, his interview with DJ Paul, kind of apropos of nothing, like literally out of nowhere. He was like, yeah. When I interviewed gunplay, he talked a lot about the secret government. What do you think about that? I don't know like you know if there's some kind of connection between them that would make him mention that but he just kind of mentioned yeah. it out of nowhere. So we looked into this interview with Gunplay. Well, and also by and, the
2: way by the way like DJ Paul's response to that was man when it comes to a secret world government there's no telling. <laughs>
5: yeah um, which is,
4: yeah and this question an just came answer. out of the and in terms of how the interview was written up, this just comes with a clear blue sky apropos of nothing, like nothing that he yeah. said prior to that had anything to do with the government, about secrecy, any, like the alcohol, anything, um, yeah. you know. Uh, but anyway, so in this, you know, he, uh, I guess this guy had uh, gunplay, had started a company called the Bilderberg Group. And uh, he said, I'm just starting it from the ground up. And, you know, I hope one day it will be as big as the real Bilderberg uh, Club or the real Bilderberg Group. And this guy was like, wait, you think the Bilderberg group is real? And, like, you know, whatever you think about whether they, like, control the world, like, it, it is real. You it know? is it real.
2: Is. It absolutely and he, exists. Also,
4: this interview, like, interpolates this, like, bizarre graphic, which is, like, obviously an anti-Semitic picture, like, you know, of like the United Nations Bilderberg Group probably like Trilateral you know, Commission all, all forming the like, of yeah, star and David. this guy says like,
2: nothing he says nothing anti-Semitic yeah, yeah yet, I'm the I'm sure Gunplay
4: wasn't like oh by the way run this like picture you know it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah yeah make
2: sure you say the Jews are behind it all yeah, like, yeah exactly like, like you know they not.
4: pick like they pick that one to make it you know so it's kind of like It's racist, basically. Honestly, it does because Uh,
2: I think, you know, not to denigrate this entire group, but oftentimes I see when, like, African-Americans are expressing their concerns about certain ideas that might be, you know, uh, judged... From afar to be like conspiracy theories, there's often a rush to like associate it with like the Nation mm-hmm. of Islam and well, like, oh, well, did you know like Farrakhan says things like that and he hates Jews? And like, yeah, granted, like, I think Farrakhan has said some very uh, problematic, uh, definitely sure. some problematic things. Um...
4: Yeah, about Jews, but like that's
2: not that doesn't that's not necessarily like this. Not every you know black person that brings up like government conspiracies is like getting it straight from Farrakhan. Exactly, like a lot of
4: the yeah, and a lot of the treatment in general of I mean, it goes back to kind of what we talked about earlier on our uh, Iran Contra episode about Montel, like his concerns that like this is going to be painted as like one of those crazy black conspiracies, you know, like and it's the same thing, like you know, oh, you're being. And it's like one of the, uh, certainly an idea that circulates, like uh, one could say like a stereotype is that black people are anti-Semitic, you know, and like uh, another one is like these crazy conspiracies and they kind of in some way go together. Yeah, It's it's interesting uh, that that is a thing
2: that gets pulled out whenever they start, whenever people start talking about something that's like a little bit too spicy, they got that card to pull immediately to be like, hold on, like, you know, we value your voice, but uh, not that much you know like yeah
4: and they, like so, yeah yeah yeah. and there have been a lot of like con- yeah it's interesting like that especially it seems to especially happen to uh black people like yeah that, i would say most, most know, uh,
2: aggressively yeah. and it's like it, it's like an instant card to like lose the re- lose respectability from kind of urbane educated whites yeah you know, exactly like, like well you-, you know
4: like yeah exactly like you know there's of course like so much like respect and deference like to the voices of people of color in general but that is one way to just be like nope everything you say is void from now on like you know yeah uh
2: we know these things are actively policed in a variety of like subtle ways and um Yeah, yeah. So I think, so, you know, a lot of people, I mean, I noticed in this one uh, article uh, from OKPlayer.com called 666 Inadverted Crosses, the Evolution of Satan's Influence in Rap Music, um, you know, it does mention here that, um, that, like, according to a National Pew Research Center's Religious Landscape Study... Black people are the leading race in believing in God. They're also leading in the importance religion has in one's life, with 75% stating that it's very important. This is in stark contrast to the percentage of black people who don't believe in God, 2%, and don't believe religion is very important in their lives, 4%. Additionally, 9% of black people are unaffiliated with any religious group. In other words, religion is an integral part of the black identity in the United States, with Christianity being the primary religion practice. So I think that's like significant, because I think a, a lot of the times, uh, a lot of the controversy That I see in like YouTube videos here about these young rappers uh, flashing 666 and inverted crosses everywhere is is in a way, you know, it is bound to be controversial where you still have the majority um, of of, of all ethnic groups in the United States. Um, They are still the most tied to like the Christian church, more or less.
4: Yeah, um, and so who were, like, sensitive to the idea of, as we kind of mentioned earlier, like, and as kind of Kusnicka observed, like, white people comparatively more comfortable with the idea of Satan because they don't believe in the devil as much, uh, you know, demographically, sociologically, you yeah, know, they don't take yeah. the idea, you know, like, so... Uh, you know, and I think of I think you can you say Satan that I like, used him for. Uh, as part yeah, of yeah, popular, you know? exactly. Um, and
2: I think I think it does kind of come. And, you know, it's like I think that that's like a valuable um, that's like a valuable instinct to have when you're dealing with like the music industry, which is one of the most predatory and fucked up. Industries in the whole entertainment umbrella. I mean, like none of them are great, but the music industry is almost like, like uniquely bad in terms of you know, um, screwing Mm -hmm. over talent and like controlling people, destroying people's
4: lives, young artists, like absolutely, like there's millions of stories, like and maybe uh, the the the, the
2: most purely kind of satanic one that is like basically like here you can have the whole world, like the world is yours, and Mm -hmm. I was actually, I mean, I was just listening. Listening to a little bit of Kanye West uh, on Joe Rogan yesterday. And he was going on all these rants about how unfair and how twisted the music industry is and how basically, you know, they sell you these things that um, – these perks basically about how like, you know they, – they, like he, he was almost talking about how they sell you like the psychological high of being able to go on a tour and like all the girls and the parties and having that, that stadium with just people going like, ah, every night. But meanwhile – Like, the the record company is making most of the money, and he says, in a way, it's like, you always end up, after a tour, you end up the amount in debt of what you think the the house you're going to buy would cost. Which in mm-hmm. his case was like fifty million dollars in debt. So it's like you know, basically yeah. whatever whatever the price tag of the big mansion you think you're gonna buy when you embark on this record contract, you're gonna like end up that much in debt, even though you're gonna be like technically like you're gonna seem rich and famous, but like they basically control you. And um, I mean, I think even his kind of. Um, his real his like passion right now for like you know his like rediscovery of christianity and like only making music for god is i think you know it's wrapped up in all this stuff a little bit
4: yeah for sure absolutely like i think that a lot of yeah his moves now are a reaction to how he feels he's been treated uh by a lot of people um yes and part of the industry yeah and, uh, of
2: course, sure. how easy is it for all uh, particularly white liberals to basically call to, like, lock him up, lock him up, yeah, like, put, a, yes, exactly, put him in a mental know? hospital? He needs more meds. Like, medicate yes, him. Yes, medicate yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just, like, this crazy black man is uh, running around saying things that you're not – so that don't fit into a neat box. And, like, I don't, like, agree with a lot of his, like, you know, takes necessarily. But yeah. I do think that he's he's just, like, free – he's – you know spitting extemporaneously yes like he's and kind of doing whatever Yeah, and, and a friend of
4: mine in discussing this did make a good point that even the whole thing of like oh he has bipolar it is fair to say you know i think that he does certainly seem to have certain manic behaviors but i'm not like a psychiatrist or like you know uh qualified to diagnose this at all and i do think that it's certainly there are a lot of environmental factors uh-huh. you know so to be like oh you know he's crazy Without looking at that at all, or like listening to what he's saying, like, yeah, there is certainly that. That is the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, we talked about like Saw Baby. Uh, I guess just to like circle back to him for a second, because he's <laughs> yeah. kind of a big upside deal now. Upside down
4: crosses. Uh, yeah, he's, he yeah. also like Very cool.
2: He has a upside down cross tattooed on his forehead, and he um, he is a proponent of uh, apparently he. There's he's a hilarious.
4: Vocal- you should read like the description from that OK Player article uh, or wherever it was from, this uh, explaining uh, unknownism. Uh, yeah. and yes,
2: let um, me see. Uh, I think it's like, yeah, Excentacio and Lil Uzi Vert. Uh, they got in a fight with Offset from Migos, uh, because he right, yes. kind of he issued a kind of like a general call, maybe it was sort of aimed at, at Saw Baby, uh, ba- and also, uh, Lil Uzi Vert, who some people think that is a kind of a modification of Lucifer, Lil Uzi Vert. Mm, like, yeah mm, i I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that before yeah, but basically uh, he juice said
4: juice also i mean like juice you know like what i mean what exactly does juice refer to i feel like i'm i just really should even, know even but
2: the other i don't know if the rapper I'm are, sure uh, maybe it
4: refers to like a lean or something i don't know but like it is interesting how there's a lot of juice uh circulating juicy uh, you know uh juice yeah juice uh, I, I don't yeah.
2: i don't know yet, um
4: but whatever uh, uh, but
2: anyways but he yeah. Uh, the offset, you know, kind of, um, he basically posted a video and said rappers need to cool it with, uh, with like upside down crosses and six six six. He said, "Stop that shit, boy. You look lame. All that it worship does the devil. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? he is lame. All that yeah. worship the devil shit. Get with God, man." And then Saw Baby, uh, who you know had just had a big hit with a uh, pull up with a stick. Uh, you know, posted back on Instagram um, I'm not sure what he's referring to So I don't read it But basically, like, you know uh, You talk about my uh, He wrote this, like, phonetically Like, you talk about my cross Going to stay upside down um, You donate $1,000 to Washington But we'll throw $10,000 in a club I will beat your ass Fuck Migos And uh, then Offset called him an industry pigtail-wearing bitch and, you know, um, kind of went. And then, like, Lil Uzi Vert uh, just sort of jumped on. uh, And I guess uh, he posted a video where he was drawing upside-down crosses all over the screen while smiling and showing off his chain. But then uh, Saw Baby, in kind of a reaction to, like, really set this straight, he posted on Instagram This uh, this picture of like a black background with a white upside down cross with a six on three of the sides on three of the points. So six, six, six. And it says unknown ism. And I guess this is a philosophy that Sabi <laughs> created. It said, yes. when he was eight years old, he created this. So yes. um, uh, just to give you an idea of what he says about this, like this image he posted, I created this ideology for seeking the truth. I had this mindset since a young boy. I stand strong behind this and we will kill for it. Book coming soon. <laughs> Unknownism. Accepting the fact of not knowing if all the bullshit they tell us is true. 666. Six, six. six protons, six electrons, and six neutrons. All caps. This has nothing to do with St. Peter. Unknownism is life. Sorry. We are open-minded and don't follow the wave and believe in bullshit that hasn't been proving. Much love to my unknowns. Hashtag 666. Six, 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 trademark. Uh so uh, okay yeah um, and uh, he we yeah. looked we looked into it and apparently he's referring to the um the element or the isotope carbon uh, 12 carbon yeah 12. the number
4: of protons yeah and his take on this this is actually kind of interesting okay so this is what he says about this uh he says that well okay this is from that okay player article where mm-hmm. uh it says uh that uh, For the 21-year-old, 666 or an inverted cross has nothing to do with Satan but black affirmation. Six, six, six. That's six protons, six electrons, six neutrons. That equals carbon twelve. Carbon twelve is, of course, like you know, we're carbon-based life forms. It's an extremely like abundant element, like very important to it life on about Earth. Na-
2: this is actually the dominant carbon isotope. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, there's isotope. Other, it's ninety-eight percent of carbon is carbon twelve. So it does actually yeah. make up the matter for like most of us and like our world. Yes. Is carbon and
4: uh, Saab Baby says carbon helps make melanin. So that's the scientific makeup of people of the same skin color as me. So I don't really know what... I guess this article says that there's no scientific evidence that supports his carbon-12 theory. I mean, it seems like I don't think that there's more carbon in people who have more melanin. I think, like, everyone has a lot of carbon, like, because... Yeah, so I feel like that, like, is, but... That said, like, uh, he says also, like, the inverted cross, that's, you know, Christianity was forced on black people during slavery. And, you know, I think that that is, in a way, like, yeah, it's fair enough, it makes sense. Like, this kind of goes back to some of Koopse Nika's comments, where he's sort of, you know, saying, like, yeah, this white Jesus, like, that made me, like, drew me towards Satanism or, like, rebellion. That's a common thing, I feel like, in... You know, uh, in these ideas, it's interesting, actually, uh, to note what Koops and Nika is into now, which is uh, kind of like UFO alien stuff. Um, or yeah. Or up yeah, until his
2: death, right? Up
4: until his death. Yeah. Or what? Yeah, you're right. Exactly. What he was into uh, at the time of his death or more recently. And uh, he in his uh, documentary from 2012, he was promoting. Uh, a song or a sort of tape that he put out called uh, Humans vs. Aliens. And uh, there's actually, like, a a titular song, which, uh, you know, he mentions this a lot in the the documentary. He has some good quotes, like, uh, you know, we got extraterrestrial-ass motherfuckers, we got the reptilian motherfuckers. You know, he's mentioning reptilians. He's, uh, you know, saying... Basically, his idea is that these... I don't know where the reptilians or the reptoids fit into all this, but basically... I think maybe the reptoids are bad in his cosmology but basically the idea is that all these movies about alien invasion are sort of designed to program people to like view aliens negatively when really mm-hmm. aliens like are uh you know they are like the sort of forebears or relatives of black people like he calls them uh his own folks you know and he says they're going to send you out against your own folks. People coming down here, they call them aliens, but those are my own folks. I'm a goddamn alien. So, uh, <laughs> so it's yes. kind of a
2: reverse project. Blue exactly. Being.
4: It's the same sort of thing of like reversal where like you're mm-hmm. reversing these sort of hegemonic ideas uh, and sort of associating with like these black elements. I mean, this kind of goes back to like, you know, there's ethics of this even in like Nation of Islam philosophy, you know, like where the idea of like, you know uh black is always associated with evil you know and darkness you know so uh maybe that should be associated positively so there's there's like a well correct me if i'm wrong but isn't the
2: etymology that that or the the term that i feel like like ice cube used a lot in some of his early 90s albums like white devil yeah didn't that come out of noi
4: yeah, definitely. Like, uh, yeah. yeah, the idea of the white or the blue eyed devil and, like, of whiteness as being subsequent to blackness, you know, created by, like, white people are an evil sort of race that was created through magnetism by an uh, brilliant but misguided black scientist named Jakub. Um, and, uh, you know, he was sort of evil and yeah, so, uh, white people are sort of a malformed creation and black people are the original man in this, uh, you know, in this way. So yeah, kind uh, of a cosmic
2: inversion of the Urantia book philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: It's, well, it's, yeah, it's a permutation of the same thing, you know, are, uh, exactly like white aliens maybe are good. Like, you know, it reminds me of kind of something that, uh, from that Ibrahim X. Kendi, who I guess now is like a big figure in kind of the, uh the great awakening of white people uh that's <laughs> happening in the wake of the George Floyd protests, etc. You know, he even had some quote from his book where he was sort of postulating that white people were evil aliens, you know, so it's like, kind of, it's interesting really? like, how these different.
2: Really? Abraham, Abraham X. Kendi?
4: I think he was kind of joking around with it, but yes, he uh, okay. he has something like that, you know, where he was, like, kind of joking around with his friend, like, it's, you know, it explains everything. It's why they don't have any feelings, like, you know, they're aliens, you know, but, like, <laughs> I yeah, mean, so, honestly,
2: it kind of even... Um, if you, I don't know if you've gotten the chance to watch a Lovecraft Country, but it, no, it, I, it, 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 I'm, I have my my issues with it. We'll discuss um, that at a later date. But the, the the protagonists in it, in addition to all white people in general, just being like like literally demons, folks, like just yeah. like like running up on you like every five seconds to like do a. A Jim Crow to like just like like just like the, they're like NPC monsters in like this mm-hmm. kind of universe but also the big villains are like these rich white probably descendants of slave owners even though they're like in Massachusetts doesn't make sense don't worry about it but um basically they are like a part of some high priest like satanic mystical order and they all like use magic and basically are empowered by like you know dark evil Catholic energies to, you know, which they then use to remain dominant in society and there's almost kind of like there's almost a little bit of like essentialism to it I mean there's also yeah. a whole thing of like you know one of the one of the black characters is like related it by blood is blood connected you know to this like white family so therefore he has like special powers which is kind of weird uh, you know I mean there's yeah. just like a, lot, a lot going on there but I think you even see that um, kind of popping out of just kind of like flipping around the I guess it's like right. literally flipping around the cosmic horror of Lovecraft who is super racist um, yes. and was, like, afraid of, like, black and brown people. Um, yes,
4: and he definitely, like, usually depicted, like, you know, non-Anglo-Saxon races as being, like, more associated with these sort of demonic activities. or are like, more prone to worshipping uh, these evil entities and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. You yeah. know? Yeah, um, yeah. Like, I remember so, in The Call of Cthulhu, there's a very racist sort of depiction of, of voodoo and, and that type of stuff. So,
5: uh-huh. yeah, like, yeah.
4: but... so there like there's something about it that is like under but yeah I wonder like I wonder in a way how much of this is like instrumental because like I yeah in a way like it's understandable I even understand like you know I'm very opposed to Satan but I understand how like if you find yourself in a uh, difficult situation whatever it is like, mm-hmm. and, you know, you're in an environment where people are telling you, like, to believe in God, and, like, God created the situation, and God created the world, and you are unhappy with the world or with your life, then it's often the case that people become angry at God or, like, reject their religion, and that's, you know, often a failure of the religious people around them in some mm-hmm. way, um, and, like, you know, it is, you know, you can't really blame, like, uh, them a lot of the time for that, you know, the people in in this situation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I do wonder, like, what the... I am skeptical, like, because I just... I think that these systems, in a way that, like, underscore, like, the problem of racism in American society, Mm -hmm. are, like, you know, in many ways, like, institutional and structural. And I think that people enact their commitments to them... Like, without necessarily—like, whatever they mean or believe in their heart, it's much—you know, it's hard to uh, root out the sort of institutional, like, alignment that you're kind of forced into by these, like, deep historical structures. So the whole thing of, like, the piety—like, I wonder what, like, you know, how are the— the ruling class like that is still largely white. How are white people going to ultimately instrumentalize, exploit and profit from this new thing of like white people being like, you know, cursed demons or whatever, you know, or like, <laughs> or, you know, this reclaiming of, like, I think that's, that's as, what it is. It's kind you know, of the, like, yeah. the
2: reclaiming demons. I, I feel like, um, even the older formulation of white devils is not as useful to them as kind of like, um, like, like, I don't know almost advertising like you should become the demon like or like you deserve to be the, the real demon or I don't know like
4: yeah like, like, like anything any like anti-racist program that's like widely adopted and like supported by like white people like I'm like somewhat skeptical of, to be honest like
2: just absolutely because
4: like of that you know it's like not that I think, like, what people believe in their heart, like, is one thing, but, like, there yes. are, like, structural aspects to it. So, but like, I, I think you know, you when it comes like, to, like, Lovecraft, Country, and Watchmen, and this massive, like, you know, trauma spectacle where, like, all these well meaning like, people tune in and are like, I'm doing something, or whatever, you know, like, that to me, I'm, I'm very suspicious of. And the same thing of, like, yeah. you know, uh, being like, wow, like, you know, Saw Babies, like, you know, Unknownism, where like you know it's an upside down cross or whatever like that is like a beautiful expression of like black liberation and like black spirituality like i I think you
2: even see it you know he did effect. come up
4: with it he, you know he yeah is, yeah his At thing, least but i don't know like yeah i I'm, yeah well
2: like, i think but... I, I, you even see that in the aesthetic yeah. of some of the and i mean uh i'm i'm almost uh it almost makes you a little nervous to even say this, but like uh, some of Beyonce's videos, uh, especially the kind of post formation ones have, you know, there's like Masons, there's like Prince Hall Masons in her videos and kind of like uh, a kind of interesting thing where I, I remember one of the videos, it's almost like they're at this kind of like ghostly, spooky plantation house, like in the South and they're all dressed up kind of like almost like this like black antebellum, Royalty uh, or like aristocracy in a weird way. And I, it's like I can kind of see like the trying to reclaim the idea of like aristocracy from like the white planter class of like, you know, our history in a way that like feels radical and like new, but it's also, um, I don't know, like embracing Freemasonry, and then like, eh, you know, mm, I don't know. Maybe I'll just leave it there. Um, <laughs> just, I mean, I feel like uh, like Jay Z and Illuminati, like wearing his like do with that Wilt hoodie. Like, i people people know that like you know when it comes to talking about like Illuminati or whatever things um, that you know the the Jay Z and Beyonce have been suspected for a long time of being kind of like embodiments of that in one way or another. But I think that what was really kind of like Innovate it, uh, but was like when Beyonce became more about like, she became this kind of like woke revolutionary artist uh, yes. around circa 2015, 2016, and was like, you know, dancing with these women all dressed up like black Panthers at the Super Bowl while F-16s flew overhead. Uh, I'm sorry, but like, you know, like it seems like there's some recuperation going on there and like some co-optation of radical aesthetics To give you like the impression that you're rebelling against like white supremacy, but actually like white people are kind of signing the checks on all of this. And, like, yeah. the the absolute worst white people, if we can dare to say that, like, the people that sit on the boards of these companies and, you know, are millionaires and billionaires and, like, kind of control what kind of culture comes out and it, have still a, a panoply of excuses to shut down the career of any young, talented black artist that is pushing a message that they don't, they don't like, right?
4: Yeah, and that... I think that, like, this is, you know, uh, in a way lines up with a lot of the stuff that's been said, like, in many, like, discourses on these subjects, you know, going back to kind of what some of the things that we talked about a little bit in the Iran-Contra episode where, like, okay, well, you know, on some level, like, some of this music is, like, journalistic and, like, Mm -hmm. it's a very, like, you know, skillful and uh well rendered and uh f- effective like expression of like pain or of you know a uh certain or maybe in some case like a joy or exuberance like you know or it's a celebration of certain things that like uh you know deserve maybe celebrate or aren't uh, uh permitted to be celebrated or like uh there's some you know there's positive aspect to it but on one hand like you know there definitely have been people going back to its very inception who have been, you know, people in the more, like, conscious vein, like, uh, you know, play a fly, I think eventually sort of became, who have been skeptical of, like, what this kind of stuff, like, promotes and, like, you know, Mm -hmm. is this sort of encouraging these sort of things? I think that, like, there's far more salient factors in perpetuating, like, some of these, like, you know, uh, negative, like, institutional phenomena, like, in, like, certain communities in America, like, you know, for instance, like, like, you know, I mean, the CIA, like, flooding neighborhoods with drugs, like, yeah instance, you yeah, know, like... Exactly. Uh, I mean, how does just, that factor like, into know, all
2: this? Uh, structural
4: poverty, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But, like, you know, uh, is it innocuous when, like, you know... And, like, there's certainly, like, some level of, like, these things being popular, like, on a ground-up level, people observing that and then promoting what they see people respond to. But there also is a level of, like you know, these people who are uh, at a higher level see what, you know, they, they like certain things and they make at some point an executive decision of like what, to go with what's the support so, and i think yeah, we always yeah, yeah. do, do have think... to be
2: mindful that when they make a decision that we are going to like heavily promote this trend that yeah. it i think it's safe to assume that that trend is not going to like undermine capitalism or end white supremacy or like end like the criminal justice like carceral state or you know liberate people like you know spiritually and stuff like that like it's not going to yeah, change really the paradigm
4: I certainly don't think that it's value. I'm just going to come out and say that I don't think that unknownism is a valuable philosophy for anyone to pursue. I mean, the basic (laughs) idea, I guess, of questioning lots of things is is good. But like the whole idea that like, oh, you know, my upside down cross, like at my 666, like, you know, like pretty. I mean, I guess the upside down cross could actually be. Yeah, it could re- refer to St. Peter, you know, like, because uh, he was crucified upside down. He
2: was crucified upside um, down. This had, yeah, I, I like know, how he like, stresses this has nothing to do with St. Peter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, uh, which I think but, I, you can take two ways. Is like it, the, I'm not trying to insult the memory of St. Peter by doing it upside down, but also, like, like my philosophy has nothing to do with any of that Christian stuff. Yeah, I think he's stuff. saying
4: that, like, because, you know, the idea of the upside down cross, like, could be seen as positive if it has to do with St. Peter, like, wanting to be crucified upside down. So he's saying, like, no— He's almost taking, like, an
2: Aquino-esque or, like, a David Myatt-esque kind of approach to saying that, like, Satanism, like, stop trying to define it in opposition to Christianity. It's older than Christianity.
4: Yeah, well, it is exactly the Aquino thing because it's just like, oh, you know, you think this is satanic. But really, like, from our point of view, like, these things, like, Satan is good, you know? So, like, when you yeah. say that this evil thing is satanic, like, that's not a satanic view because from the point of view of a Satanist, Satan is good. So calling an evil thing satanic has nothing to do with Satanism or, like, you know, like that. Like, so it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's almost going a step further and saying, like, oh, you know, you're taking a Christian lens and seeing, like, this 666 or, like, me saying, like, I worship Satan as being satanic, but that's actually unknownism. <laughs>
5: Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Which is like, you know, And and,
4: and uh, I don't think that
2: really holds up water. And, of course, you know, Uh, yeah, this is a common thing that I think when you see, if you go on YouTube and you look at, like, you know, uh, people, like, in the rap world, like, talking about, uh, critiquing this kind of, like, posture and ones that have maybe a somewhat more, quote-unquote, conspiratorial uh, outlook on, like, what the industry wants to promote. uh, They see that as, like, you know, basically this is, like, part of a long cultural... Cultural war that is going on uh, to like a mind war in a, in a way um, to basically like you know to divorce like um, probably like young black audiences from like the church and and the things that are you know r- things that are rooted in community and tradition that have like kept kept people strong and united and stuff like that through various you know trials throughout history and now these like you know. These billion-dollar record companies are just trying to promote kind of like hedonism, criminality, and in not even in a way that's like journalistic, but just kind of like a look, like a pose. And um I mean, and you know, you might not believe in um in unknownism, but apparently Lil Uzi Vert is a convert, as is Trippy Red, who also rocks a six-six-six constantly, but said that it was like you know a chill nature symbol or whatever.
1: Now to your fucking skirt, a three eighter to your back, a doozles between your legs, and now your ass in the I told you your city gang that you can't fuck with this. I catch your ass slipping it, bitch. It's gonna be a murder, quick. I'm down with ten wanted men. I'm rappin' up off the scene. I'm poppin' them blocks and hoes. Now I'm ballin' real clean. These niggas be talkin' trash. You know you can't stay alive. I put the now to your feet. You know that it's time to die.
2: But uh, just to that tip, you know, if we want to see, like, how is unknownism, you know, shaping Lil Uzi Vert's, you know, life and stuff, I found this article from XXL. That says, Lil Uzi Vert has never shied away from satanic imagery and symbols in his songs and videos, and during a recent concert in London, the Philadelphia rapper took his fans to hell with him. Performing at the 2018 Wireless Festival, Uzi topped the EXO tour life instrumental to share a message with his fans, telling concert goers they have entered the rapture and are all going to hell. Quote, and if nobody flying up to heaven right now, obviously all y'all motherfuckers going to hell right with me, Lil Uzi said. As the song began to play, Uzi continued talking, telling fans they're currently in hell and won't be able to get out. Quote, oh, you're already here, he added. I'm so sorry. You can't get out. You're stuck. It's over. (laughs) You heard the song a million times and you didn't even know. That's fucked up, but I still love you anyway. Louis um, Avert is no stranger to claims of Satanism in 2017 he released the song 444 plus 222 which equals 666 uh, the rapper has also posted photos of upside down crosses on his instant Instagram page so uh, so yeah he just like announcing that like everyone is going to hell with him during a concert and I mean that doesn't really sound like he's talking about liberation or like you know flipping the script on you know reclaiming the devil to like you know win black liberation or anything like that it sounds like you know he's just reveling in like bleh like i'm taking you out of hell with me and like i don't know uh, am i am i wrong to kind of read it uh, no that, i think that, that,
4: that's uh yes very much uh sus um <laughs> yeah at, at least yeah that's that's very much in the in the sort of horrorcore vein uh what you described uh, I was a bit distracted because I was reading uh, this long explanation of unknownism by uh, Saab baby, Um that he uh, sort of delivered. I just like the whole thing of like 666. Like, I like, again, like, you know, the cross. It's not something that I think like is important. In fact, I think like worshiping crosses is bad. Uh, but like, okay. you know, uh, he, you know, he's describing like, you know, uh, this, I used to ask myself, uh, I guess when he was eight, uh, why did whoever created the earth just let stuff like this go on? Why, when I pray or ask for stuff, it never comes to me? Why do kids get raped? Why do hurricanes and earthquakes happen? I decided it's kind of unknown. Slave masters use Christianity to enslave us. The KKK wore the Christian cross, so I make it upside down because I think it's kind of stupid for people of my skin color to wear that. I don't like racism, period. I wanted to bring the world together with some kind of system. I want to create schools and centers. With unknownism, I just want to bring everybody together, the whole world. One of my cousins brought me the perspective that maybe the whole world is a test, so I created my own ideology. It's a secret behind everything. I just wanted to know more, the truth about everything, the six protons, six electrons, and six neutrons. That was some knowledge I got from my uncle. That's carbon, and carbon helps make melanin. Uh, it's in everyone. So yeah, uh, that 666 is the number of man. So unknownism, it's really for people of all colors. Everything you learn outside of school, you aren't really going to learn in school. There's a lot of stuff I never knew. I never knew what Benjamin Banneker created, the, that Benjamin Banneker created the clock. School really doesn't touch on religion either. Things that ended up learning from outside sources, they never really told us. I want to uncover everything, the secrets, the things we don't know. I want to know about Area 51. I was just looking <laughs> at all these hurricanes that were on the same day. I want to figure out why is that? A big moment when positivity had an effect on me was when I started uploading snippets of my music and Sandoz on Instagram. Uh, it really was the fans, you know, uh, music, blah, 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 blah. Musical. I musically just try to with myself. I like to rap about things I have fun with. Sex is fun to me. People have a good time. I like to sound light. I like the melodies that sound like you're kissing Cupid. I want that motherfucker to sound like heaven. I don't really like dark music. So this is like, yeah, this is like, you know, this is kind of what I was talking about earlier, where it's like this very different vibe. I don't really like dark music, but like I'm all about 666. Like, you know, uh, it's like very weird. It's very, very weird. Like, and Uh the whole thing of like, I want to create a world religion. Like, I mean, again, I guess ultimately like all religions, like kind of like, or at least all universal religions have like some kind of like, idea of like a universal religion you know a world religion like in them you know something that is sure. open to everybody but i don't know it's just weird <laughs> it's weird uh, it i don't like it at all uh and i
2: it's a yeah. constant kind of thing of like you know they're it's, like, you know, putting all of these, like, dark symbols, like, in your face and then being, like, why are you being, like, freaked out by this? Like, yeah, I'm, exactly. Like, like, how I'm dare just all about positivity. Like, I mean, that's yeah, the same like, thing. Uh, to be fair, you know, that's the same thing that probably, like, Ozzy Osbourne said on the Geraldo special. What, like, every heavy metal band said. What every, like, fashy, hardcore punk band used to say of, like, man, we're just about, like, energy and positivity, man. Like, this we're is not a about, little bit- like, trying to hate anybody.
4: This is a little bit different, though, because, yeah, while it is really the same, like, ultimately, and I'm not saying that, like, you know, uh, that, like, what, you know, again, like, it's important not to single, like, the the stuff out. We're talking about hip-hop because, like, you know, or to make this, like, appear that it's in some way, like, inherently more sinister than all the sinister things that white people do. Not remotely true. However, I do find this to be a bit different than the sort of satanic aesthetic of, Heavy metal, because they, in a way, like you know, hail Satan. They're very explicitly satanic, and they might say, and they do say, a lot of the time, like, oh, you know, it's just like for fun. It's just like an act of defiance. It represents something else. This is almost another level where it's like I, you know, the 666 doesn't mean like what 666 like means to everybody. Like uh, the mm. upside down cross doesn't mean like what it signifies to to like the vast majority of people it's like actually unknownism and like, it's not even dark, you know, at least I think that most like people who make music, like worshiping Satan, they would say like, yeah, you know, it's dark music. It's fun. Like, because it's dark, it's violent, but it's just a fantasy. Whereas he's like, I want to sound like, like heaven, you know, like you're kissing (laughs) Cupid, Uh, you know, like I don't really like dark music. Just like if you watch scary movies, they can put your whole mind in a different place. So like, if he believes in the power to like uh of scary movies to put your mind in a dark place, like what about like you know talking spooky about six six six? Yeah, or, and, or, or and like a yeah, spooky aesthetic. Or yeah, like, I don't like lighter, colorful stuff. You know, like I that's it's weird because it's like different. It's like uh, you know, like lovey, cuddly, like but also six 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 and like the crosses upside down, like. Whatever, you know, like... I uh... mean, I think you could see that. Uh, <laughs> I,
2: I think, um, you know, I uh, I forget who it was with... Uh, I forget who I was watching. If it was, like, Fat Joe who said this. Oh, yeah, Fat Joe did see this, I think, where he was talking about how Lady Gaga... Like, he had he mentioned Lady Gaga... Uh, <laughs> like, doing uh, running with the gay stuff and how it was working really well for her in 2011. Um, That's kind of... um, I'm going to put that to the side. But it reminded me (laughs) of how Lady Gaga also uses a lot of, like, gross-out, like, Marina Abramovich, like, shock kind of fashion and aesthetic, but, like, is not, like, oh, I'm about, like... I'm about, like, love and being brave and being yourself. And, like, kind of... It's a very aspirational... Kind of positive thing, but then like the, it's like she's wearing a meat dress and you're like, huh.
4: Well, my thing for Sa Baby is like, what about Islam? You know, like, you know, his name is uh, Sahim Malik valderi mm. So like come on. Like what about Islam? Like you know <laughs> you if you don't like to revert. Well, I'm just I think that that <laughs> might be an interesting decision for him or like you know a positive choice cuz he doesn't seem to be into satanism or the devil, you know necessarily. Um yeah, he doesn't yeah. like Christianity. Uh, understandable. Like I think that you know there's a, like a reason and 10% of slaves who were brought to America were Muslim. Ooh, uh you know okay. originally of course you know yeah. to, oh, Arab colonialism <laughs> but uh you know well, we can you know, talk about I a different time that, but you know anyway maybe there's
2: uh, hope for saw baby uh, maybe there's hope for saw baby to kind of you know well it's uh, weird he's di- never mentioned further. it at all
4: you well like, I like it, it, it is yeah, weird yeah, like, that, like huh, huh? like well, you know think uh, if he's really truly interested in exploring things I feel like what's truly really unknown to him is interestingly enough like anything about like Islam because like you know, if you're I'm against Christianity, you just don't wear a cross say, at all. Just take off your cross. Just crush it. Uh, yeah. Uh, no. You know, uh, why do you have to embrace it's like why, the yeah, he wasn't, so like
2: yeah, If he wasn't raised in a know, church, I don't know if he was raised in a church or not, but, like, if he wasn't, it kind of makes this, like, why even kind of mess with the cross at all? Like, yeah, and not it's just, not
4: on... Well, I don't know if he was raised in a church or not because, like, sometimes these Islamic names, like you know, they are you know, they not necessarily reflect a Muslim family, but uh, yeah. So it's possible or... that he wasn't raised Muslim, but um, yeah, I just like uh, you know, I just feel like, like if it's you need know, it's it, it what's he's it's it's unknown like all this stuff like you know I just feel like why yeah like I mean it's not really unknownism because you're just. Kind of embracing the devil, like in a way, like it is known, like, or at least it's anticipated by people as known. I find it to be, it's sus. It's sus to me. Just, I'm just listen saying.
2: to Lord Infamous or Triple Six Mafia, listen to the Smoked Out, Looked Out mixtape, and you'll know all about the devil.
4: Um, yeah. will or... learn all
2: about him and, and you know, uh, his wicked yeah. vibes and stuff. Yeah. It's just, it is a kind of a strange phenomenon. Um, and I, I, yeah, I'm almost surprised he doesn't say what every other, like so many other, um, rappers like, like DJ Paul and stuff have said. I saw another interview with tech nine, uh, real briefly where I think he was talking to sway and somebody brought up something about, uh, Jim Morrison and like Sway's co host was like, I never mess with Jim Morrison. Cause I heard he was a, Devil worshipper, and uh, and Tech Nine was like, I guess he'd sampled the doors or something, um, and was like, no, 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 that's not true, that's not true. And they're like, well, well like, w- w- where's that come from? And he's like, well, you know, he married a woman who was like kind of a witch, and like they got married in the ceremony where they cut their fingers and like did a blood pact and stuff. But like, he wasn't a devil worshipper. And Sway was like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, wait, what did he do? And he's like, yeah, and he was just like, you know, he's just like probably going along with this girl because like. She was like this sexy woman and stuff and, and uh, Sway and like the other woman are like, was he trying to create like a devil child or something like that? Like, you know, like, uh, like a Babylon working kind of thing. And, um, and then, you know, and then they, they asked like, well, what about you tech nine? Cause like you often, you know, rap, he's also kind of a horrorcore rapper, um, who, uh, you know, I, I definitely enjoyed in my youth, um, even though I think he's from uh, Kansas City, Missouri, but they asked him, like, well, you've kind of used, like, devil horrorcore themes in your music. Like, how do you feel about devil worship? And he said, you know, just like DJ Paul, he's like, man, I was raised in the church. Like, what? Like, no, nah, yeah. like, I, I'm not a devil worshiper. Um, I just happen to, you know, sometimes, like, it, it, you know, it's an interesting, like, theme to kind of, like, work with. And then he kind of cryptically at the very end of the video says, uh, and, you know, sometimes I do a lot of drugs, and, you know, sometimes when I do drugs, I do really crazy stuff. And then just kind of, like, <laughs> that was the end uh, of the video. Yeah. So it was kind of like, oh, well, like, when he's on drugs, he experiments with, like, devil worship. But he's, like, not really a Satanist. I don't know. I feel like maybe with a lot of this stuff is, um, and maybe this is, like, the nature of, like, repping the devil is that I think a lot of people, you know, you kept mentioning, like, how what people really feel in their hearts. And I do feel that, like, maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe some of these people had, like, a deeper, like a kind of dark fascination with like devil stuff but i feel like maybe some of these people really do feel like you know like the devil is the master of like deception and like deceit yeah you know like he tricks you into that's his main game is like you know or even just as a uh, as a sort of um you know, a concept or whatever, like he is the great deceiver. And so like he will get people like wearing 666 who like don't think that's what it represents. And they think it represents actually like rebelling against like the corruption of Christianity or like the, the image of the white Jesus. So then they want to embrace like, you know, an upside down cross or something. But then you know, you have to ask yourself like, well, in it when you're putting this imagery out into the world, like what is that how do people interpret it? What is like the the impact on like a mass psychological level? And it's uh I I would venture to say that like while again like we don't want to gang up on like one genre of music when um There are so many, so many predominantly white genres of music that have done this like just as much, if not more. uh, Well, I think yeah, excessively.
4: What's interesting about this one is, for one, like the sort of spoopy conspiracy theories around the sigils, and like you know, I think that the Memphis like horrorcore music is good personally. (laughs) Like I like, I do uh, too. Even though like. I mean, even though, like, you know, there's satanic elements, like, uh, not down with Satan, but, like, as far as satanic music goes, like, it's good and an interesting sort of window into that, uh, you know, world, and it's a good thing, I think, to focus on for the, uh, for the spooky season, but I think as we've reiterated many times, like, you know, not to single it out, uh, but it is, like, just one node, uh that i think you know it, that it, it you know it draws out uh, and invites exploration you know it's just one note of a larger cultural phenomenon that it can be observed in many like subgenres of music and like in uh yeah. you know in hip-hop music in general uh even that which isn't necessarily directly sort of uh influenced by uh by the genre but, but maybe perhaps indirectly but you know maybe not mm-hmm. uh, yeah yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, and, uh, and I think, you know, we, we also have to keep in mind that, uh, you know, the, the record companies that put out all of the major hip-hop records in, you know, America uh, are also the same record companies that put out every other major genre of music yes. throughout the 20th century. So if they were seeding, like, satanic messages in one genre, it's kind of likely that they might be down to try it in another genre or, you know, or, or try to inject it in whichever genre is ascendant um, I mean, and at again, any time.
4: Koops Nick, uh, you know, may he rest in peace. Um indeed. You know, like said, he felt uh three years for his death he felt that the devil used him to popularize 666 and even though he didn't believe in in that motherfucker anymore um you know and he i like that he called the
2: devil a bitch
4: yeah um (laughs) like yeah it was funny like how he felt he was used by him but didn't believe in him i guess he didn't follow him but maybe he believed in him i don't know um it, yeah uh, but anyway i think, that's, I think uh, maybe
2: that's kind of what he meant is like he doesn't yeah. give his yeah, like mental energy any, yeah. to to kind of uh, he doesn't give any currency in his heart to that idea anymore yeah. as being like a good thing and right. you know, i think he was yeah maybe i don't know I don't want but to he judge felt him, he was
4: used by him to you know uh, popularize this idea and make it comfortable to a new uh Part of the American population uh, that you know he felt it hadn't penetrated as much, uh, and yeah. So and when and you I think, think about that a certain... it seems like he succeeded uh, because you know now we have an unknownism. Uh, <laughs> although you know there is some resistance, but uh, now, yes, now we have an unknownism. Um, I'm just saying, like you know, what's wrong with Islam? You know, see, this is the thing. This is why they killed Malcolm X uh, because you know then. It would have been a completely different story, but that's another another time.
2: And I mean, maybe um, you know, if we want to be charitable, that's why the Memphis Dixie Mafia and U.S. Army Intelligence had to take out uh, take out Martin Luther King, perhaps on you know certain ley lines. Yeah. I don't know. Uh,
4: well, yeah, perhaps on certain ley lines. Yeah, definitely. I mean, well, it's the same uh, sort of thing. Like, uh, they were both like. I mean, they were both religious figures. Um, and I think, you know, Martin Luther King was like a threat for like various reasons, uh, similar ones to, to why Malcolm X was. I think that Malcolm X potentially could have, you know, uh, brought like a lot of people to Islam if he had been allowed to live. Uh, especially, mm-hmm. you know, it came right after his sort of break with the NOI, which is like, and he sort of plugged into the larger more uh a- international tradition of, of Sunni. that's slash. right
2: and he after he uh, went on, ho- uh, on yes. Hajj, right
4: yeah he had um you know yeah i mean that's a yeah maybe for another time but uh yeah so now he was killed and now we have unknownism so that's that's cool <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, I feel like almost a little bit, I'm like, even though this is, like, a massive celebrity who, like, would never in a million years hear this, and, like, uh, I do feel like I'm punching down a little bit because he's, like, young, you know, uh, but, well, I'm just saying, like, you know, uh, from... I mean, not that he would ever listen to what I have to say. Uh, He'd probably be infuriated if I would presume to give him, like, any uh, counsel about anything. But uh, (laughs) my counsel to him would be to look into uh, Islam. But, uh, you know, just uh, Mm. what I'm saying. You know, if you don't like Christianity, but uh, you want some positivity, it couldn't hurt, Uh, you know. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know. Well, you know, I mean, at
2: 23, I was listening to Triple Six Mafia and had a much more flippant attitude about satanic aesthetics in art um, and music and stuff and so I think we all yeah. can grow from experience that, I don't think I that w- I was
4: Muslim yet at 23 maybe I think it maybe 24 uh no maybe tw- I don't know but anyway uh yeah i think yeah that then, probably but i was um, just
2: floating in kind of the you know uh like liberal secular but i was abyss, still dumb mostly
4: uh i was still dumb uh <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah yeah brains um, still developing so maybe
4: there's there's where's hope um yeah you know,
2: yeah for, uh, but summons. i think uh I, I think for now we can uh we can leave it there um <laughs> yeah definitely uh, uh you know check out lord infamous um and uh you know uh children of the corn and, yeah children totally uh, of the corn the
4: single is uh, a good highlight i think and yeah I think that's suffer that, uh, great track a pro- great probably track. yeah some put some good. of these
2: in the in the interludes here yeah
4: um, some some good uh there's some good islamic references there um and i yeah i definitely think uh yeah, and you can't really uh, you know, hold anything against the children of the corn guys because I think that was just some nice uh, some spoopy Halloween fun, you know. They uh they even dissolved the group a little bit after that and so I feel like uh you know, uh, but did. you know, it does have a sort of sinister force to it. So who knows? Um,
2: I'd say you know, anyway. we we I think we can focus our suspicions and even you know our mm, uh, something yeah, about
4: our... trapezoid and like the like <laughs> just something about saw baby just throws me the wrong way. Sorry, yeah, I, just I, I like. think it's that he's <laughs> like, it just give me a I, bad vibe. Let's uh, focus
2: on the people that are like on the Billboard Top Forty that yeah. have like upside down crosses on their heads and like six 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 over all their clothes. Uh, we'll get to them. You know, first, we'll be most vigilant towards them, even if they know not what they do.
4: Yeah. Um, Word. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, some. Uh, yeah, you could be suspicious of Juice where or Triple X and it, but they they're gone, you know, but they're gone. So they're
2: gone. Exactly. Be careful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Be careful what you sell your soul for. Um, really yeah. just like don't sell your soul. Just do you. Yeah, don't sell your soul. Make your music.
4: Yeah, I think it's a pretty good principle that if, like, the devil approaches you in any way, like, I don't know why people can't internalize this, like, it just seems like a simple concept, like, even to, like, an, even if you don't believe the devil, like, at all, like, if the devil shows up and offers you to sell your soul, then, like, surely you should have the flexibility to be, like, no... Right, like you know, at that point. Anyway, whatever. It is, uh, but
2: you know, they 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 make it tempting. That's the thing, so, and you know, yeah. the devil couldn't do it without the good old American system. You yeah, know, well, dangling riches and uh, power and fame.
4: Well, they say that the greatest trick the devil ever played was a uh, you know. Becoming unknown, convincing people he didn't exist. To because, you know? Yeah, L- com- hiding himself, to behind convincing a...
2: people that he was unknown. Yeah, exactly. because you can't uh, yeah. know something that doesn't exist. Yeah, like
4: exactly. When, if the devil is unknown, that's his greatest power Yeah. So
2: yes. if uh, if you're traveling down an old country road or the Mississippi River, dear listeners, and you happen to see a devil, um, just keep driving. And uh, until next time, stay vigilant.
3: Peace. Snap, crackle, pop, you got dropped with the nine Glock, Niggas you better be watching your back when you fucking with a psycho chalk Niggas get grabbed and get stabbed with the fucking shank You better thank when you're fucking with niggas they're it is hot as a tank Bring it on nigga I got these bolo's for your monkey ass look at your throat look at your choke then I just kick back and laugh. Graveyard gangsta, stuff send the stars is running as shit You better be coming to court when you're fucking with the GGS Click Walking through the graveyard This is the niggas I ripped apart with his head, look at him then I left him in the dark side, go Like no ordinary nigga, whoa Crazy ass nigga from the streets of Chicago Kicking it with my folks, getting fucked up is my daily routine Yo, I'm kinda cold, go grab that hoe and get the gasoline Strike a match, three steps back, cause I am insane Niggas laughing, I'm steady grabbing lame ass niggas that throw in the flames Ain't nobody crazy, y'all, uh, the I'm so psycho, bitch up, you won't even play So don't try to scream this, cause can't nothing save ya Went to the gangsta bitch, aka Hellraiser This ain't in the brain, these niggas, they get slain, bodies drained, they in pain, throw them in a burning flame, nigga, talk your ass off, but can you back it up, bring it on, nigga, play pussy, get your ass stuck, burning niggas with a torch, killing for a new boy, cut their throat, look at them choke, nigga, this ain't no fucking joke, racking and stacking their bodies in the fucking basement, G-packing, no lacking, just jacking niggas who run up to me to the gangs, to no primes, to outbang, you then hang, you then gang, you then shine, you then hang, you bitch. Scratch your name up, all my fucking hitness Never get this, cause you know you can't get with this Killer man, understand, motherfucking murder you see Niggas who try to run up to me, they always end up on channel 3 News, singing the blues, another victim just died G Add them to the stack of the rest of their dead bodies So don't cry to scream, cause can't nothing save you once again Hellraiser, I took over this bitch yeah. Like to send a shout out to my niggas up there, Sherwood. You know what I'm saying? Send a shout out to A33. Yeah, Maniac. You know what I'm saying? You in the house, baby? Psycho Yo. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Rico. You know what I'm saying? AKA Dirty Man, Evil B. You know what I'm saying? Y'all on this bitch? My nigga Pancho from Shoutout. Yeah. Y'all like this shit down here? Yeah. And don't forget, this one to the gangster, bitch.